An animagus is a wizard who elects to turn into an animal. A werewolf has no choice. With each full moon, when he transforms, he no longer remembers who he is. He'd kill his best friend if he crossed his path. Save myself now. <laughs> my my headphones half off. All right, cool. Well, you want to give a shout out to your girls? To my girls. Who are my girls? Because they're probably listening. Who are my girls? Your girls? My girls. Whore in heels. Oh my god, yes. Love you guys. Oh my god. I'm just, I don't know. I just fangirl over here. <laughs> Say hi, Jen. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Jen. Hey, Alicia. Oh my god. Yeah, when y'all like responded to me on Facebook, I literally had a fangirl moment. I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, they're talking to me. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I'm literally famous. Don't even talk to me right now. <laughs> I'm literally famous. <laughs> yeah, like I literally deserve like a, a label. Yeah, so and we try to promote that whenever we can. <laughs> you guys head over to Horror and Heels. Uh, they're at Horror and Heels at most of their social media. You can search for them anywhere podcasts are found. They give great breakdowns, hilarious breakdowns, uh, usually alcohol involved. It's a good time over on that show. It's so funny. And they just talk about horror movies Uh and and what the hell you're supposed to do versus what the hell these people are actually doing in the movie. And how they should have, they talked about how a better way for Stanley to kill himself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So terrible. (laughs) Let me tell you a better way to kill yourself. Why did he do it this way? That was so stupid. He could have done it any other way. Um. Well, let's get into this. All righty. I'm going to uh, bring up a couple things while my phone comes up. But um, tell me about the list that you wanted to do. So before before you go into that, me and me and uh, uh, Andrew, we did our top list. Like we ranked the movies, basically, right? right? So we're going to do a ranking because Kaylee wants to show us our, her rankings and uh, I'm going to go over mine just so, you know, we kind of stay in line. Okay. But uh, talk about the idea that you had for, or, you know, for the list that you wanted to do. So as, as well as the movie ranking, I also wanted to do the, it was originally, it was top 10 characters, but <laughs> I'm very indecisive and I couldn't fit just 10 in there. So yeah, I would, and I think we, I think I had like five, uh, honorable, uh, honorable mentions. mentions. Yep. So we're like, we might as well just do a top 15. <laughs> exactly. So we did the 15 and, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty significant. Exactly. You would say. Henry's going to hate my, uh, number oh, 15. No. <laughs> you put Dobby at the end. I did. Oh, I did. He's going to be like, what are you doing? That's the best character. I at I least know. put it a little higher than I typically would for that very reason. Right. Because if there's one family member, I know for a fact that listens to the show, it's my son. Exactly. He, he would very much like to be a part of it as well. So. Exactly. Yeah. For um, sure. 
All right. Let me bring up my list here. I got tons of notes. You got tons of notes. I do. I do. It's going to be a really good episode. Yeah. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. It's funny because I don't have any of the core three characters in my list. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go over our, uh, let's rank our movies real quick. All right. Um, Did you split Deathly Hallows? I did. Or did you keep them together? I did because I feel like in my mind, they're two separate movies Uh, and they have like better rankings than each other. Okay, good. Okay. Because as as you heard in the earlier episode, Drew put his together. Yes. And everything because he says he watches them together. I don't think he really does. I think mm, that's a big fat it's lie. A little sus. <laughs> Just a little sus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're number eight because we always descend here. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever, if you ever seen any like top yes. ten list or whatever, mm-hmm. have they ever gone gone from one to ten? No. No. It's always See, what is your number? Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Andrew doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, I don't like doing well, it this way. I'm like, everybody the since the beginning down. of history has done exactly. top ten lists. Exactly. Descending order. Yeah. All right, so what's your number eight? So, I don't know if this might come as a shock to you, but I have Sorcerer's Stone as my number eight. Okay. Well, mine's pretty close. Yeah. I have Deathly... I, I had had Deathly Hallows Part 1 gotcha. at number eight, but then I had Sorcerer's Stone at number seven. Yes. So, it's like, you know, we talked all, we talked up Sorcerer's Stone. We're like, this is a great movie. And we're like, yeah, I mean, but it's on the bottom of my list. <laughs> but, I mean, those first two movies are, like, more for kids, which is great right. and everything, and it had to be that way to introduce us to this world. Exactly. You know, like we had talked about before if you were too much witchcrafty you know you'd have parents up in arms you know if it wasn't taking it serious enough oh that's just another kids movie exactly and i think it's great because the first few movies are introducing the characters and which is great and it's introducing the whole storyline and everything that the characters get into but a lot of setup yeah but and i i I just think i'm more into like the whole action and like drew said the lore of the whole thing the lore yeah yeah. the lore of the whole thing yeah yeah. okay so i have uh deathly hallows part one at number eight you have sorcerer stone what's your number seven goblet of fire i'm sure you knew that already crap Oh, shots fired. I got Goblet of Fire number one, obviously. I know that. I don't I don't know why. It's just like, I get it. I, I get people's problems. But on the other hand, I'm just like, why? It's such a great movie. I mean, you I, get Voldemort, the true Voldemort for the first time. Right. You get, uh, that's it. That's all you get is Voldemort. <laughs> exactly. Which is great. <laughs> no, I mean, we get to see aspects of different other things. Exactly. And, I mean, th- Look at it. It was a huge book. Yeah. It, oh, my God. It was the, probably isn't the biggest book, right? It was before Order of the Phoenix. Oh, right. And right. then I think maybe even Deathly Hallows was long, too. I don't know if it was as long as Order of the Phoenix. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. for yeah, sure. But, and the the director, we're going to get into it uh, on the next Harry Potter episode we do, but the director for Goblet of Fire... Uh, he just he wasn't like a huge fan of the thing you right. know he was just trying to do the best he could but you know wasn't very passionate about the material so. right i didn't i don't know i don't it, goblet of fire is great but it's something about it that i'm just kind of like eh, i mean it's kind of on the bottom of my list you yeah, know yeah so is there anything in particular that you can kind of like pinpoint to say this is at least one reason that i don't like that movie as much Honestly, no. I think it's just the whole thing. Maybe people like the Dursleys know. that much. Maybe. Because that's like well, the one movie that they're not in. That's true. Although, Maybe. no, Half-Blood Prince, they weren't in that. They were in the book. I mean, they've been in all the books or right. whatever, but I guess the Dursleys weren't in Half-Blood either. Mm, yeah, the Deathly Hollows they had them in the first part at the beginning, right? Or was that the... That was the first one Yeah, that they had it was them. real quick. It kind of glossed over there. Yeah. There's deleted scenes. I'm so mad that they cut it. that out. That would have been great. With like, Petunia? Yeah, and with uh, Dudley. Dudley. Like, that would have so been... so funny. That would have been The way he, like, great... stepped over his trailers looking at his dad, he's like, what? <laughs> yes, like, I'm it would have been a great... Like, it'd be great to see... 
uh, God, what's her face? I'm so Petunia. Petunia. It yeah. would have been great to see her say that to Harry. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it. There's so much to it, and they, they did so much setup. And you know, you you've been watching the last seven movies or whatever of these people being horrible. It's like you could have just shown that in the first one, and then we just assume they they're continuing to be the same. Exactly. As you go, but you keep showing it. You think that there's going to be... And there was, in the book, there was some kind of resolution to their whole relationship. Yeah, it shows that even though how much smack she talked on uh, Lily, that she still had... I feel like she still had some care for her. She's like, I didn't like her, but she was my sister. Exactly. That type of thing, which is still kind of... still family. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's your number CX? Oh, my number seven was Sorcerer Stone, right. like we said. What's your number CX? Uh, Deathly Hollows Part One. Really? Yes. So you got Chamber pretty high, huh? Yeah, I okay, do. Okay, that's odd because actually, when we watched Chamber of Secrets, even Drew was like, you know, this is kind of moving up on the list a yeah, little bit and everything for sure. because it's so good. So you have Deathly Hollows Part One. Mm-hmm. Um, did you listen to our our ranking on yes. that episode? Okay, so you heard me talk about how they cut a bunch of Dumbledore stuff. Yes. Huh? Do you agree that that's kind of the reason why that kind of falls short? I think so, because I feel like there was so much missing and so much more they could have done in that one. Yeah. Would you like to have gotten the yes. Dumbledore backstory? Of course, because they, sh- they show it all in the book, but I feel like they could have done wonders if they put it in a movie and yeah. you know, people more people would know about his story. And now that they have these Fantastic Beast movies out, it would have been a good setup for all that. Like, we would have heard about the Grindelwald exactly. stuff. And then when you're watching these movies, a lot of these people are watching these movies like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But it's even more exciting for us because we know kind of what's going to happen. Exactly. We don't know the full story. But one, we know the background. We know the full background because that was explained to Deathly Hallows. Right. And we know basically where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I feel like these new movies are going to like surprise us and have like Newt be the one that really yeah. is the real reason he's brought down because he's being kept so important. Possibly, But yeah. then it's like it's kind of swept under the rug or something. I don't know. Yeah. But. I don't know. It, I honestly, I haven't seen the second or the new Fantastic Beast movie. I mm-hmm. really should. The Crimes of Grindelwald. But No, it's The Secrets of Dumbledore. That's the newest. Oh, yeah, so there's, there's, there's three then? There's Fantastic oh Beasts and Where to Find Them, and there's The Crimes of Grindelwald, and then there's... The, I've only seen the first one. Yep, and we've had three... <laughs> so behind. We've had three Grindelwalds. And you know, to get over this whole Johnny Depp controversy, I've always thought or suggested that what they need to do is keep changing the actor. Mm. Because, they, you know, they had Colin Farrell to begin with, then Johnny Depp, and now they have uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Gotcha. And if they keep changing it and then have the last movie, have Dumbledore say something like... You know, look at you. What have you been doing for the last few years? You've been changing your appearance. You've been hiding from your true self. Is that because you're ashamed of what you've done? Or or do you even know who you really are anymore? Right. And all that kind of stuff. That would be a good way to explain why they keep changing actors. I mean, well, I mean, because they had to with, <laughs> with Johnny Depp or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, that would be a way to fix it, but it doesn't look like they're looking for that. For sure. For sure. So, um, okay, mine was Chamber. That was my number six. What was your number five? Chamber. Chamber, Chamber of Secrets. Of Secrets. No, okay, mine is Deathly Hallows Part Two because I think it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's the right. culmination of everything, but it is kind of like a let's exactly. get it done. You know, yeah. let's let's get through it and For everything. Sure. So it feels almost a little rushed, although it's the just the last climax of the book. Oh yeah, and they got to put everything else that they needed to into that. Yeah, to close everything up. And J.K. did a lot better job, I think, of like doing the all right hurry up Uh but also let's slow down and let's make sure we have all this information as well right i just i like 
again, like Drew said, that's Chamber of Secrets is where the lore came into. That's true. And this was when... Or uh, like you have the setup in part one. Exactly. This is where it starts kind of world building. Exactly. That's when Dumbledore starts putting his uh, his kids into trouble. <laughs> setting and things up to... he <laughs> I, I know. They just... He knew and he put them right into the yeah. jaws of the basilisk. I think, I think really, I mean, he, he keeps most of them okay. I think he's watching them and stuff. Harry's the only one who's like, hey, good luck, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good know. Lord. Um, okay. So uh, is there, that? that's the, kind of the main reason that Chambers is higher is just because it's, it's, um, but what, what would be the reasoning for putting it above Deathly Hollows or Goblet of Fire or, or whatever? Because, because they're all world building. Yeah, because, I don't know, because Sorcerer's Stone, like I said, it's very kid-friendly, and Chamber of Secrets is, like, kind of in between the two of, like, kid-friendly and then getting into the quote-unquote lore. Where it gets darker, yeah. Exactly. So, I I really enjoy it. It's a good movie. It's a good uh, introduction into Tom Riddle, and uh, you get to see him come back as his future, or as his... uh, his past self. I like the fact that we didn't know uh, Voldemort's real name in the first one. Oh, right. Yeah. And and it, so it's kind of just you knew him as Lord Voldemort. And then you get into part two and you're like, who's this Tom Riddle guy? Mm-hmm. And it's like his actual name is Riddle and his whole name is a riddle. Exactly. You know, it's a mystery. It's it's what who is this guy? What is he doing? And I guess, you know, I didn't I knew about Voldemort and Tom Riddle before I like watched the movie, I right. guess, or something. Or I don't ever remember going, oh, Tom Riddle is Voldemort. So I don't know. I can't tell you because I watched the movies, a couple of the movies before I started reading the books. So I couldn't tell you about the shock of Tom Riddle is, or if I would have seen that coming or whatever. So I don't know if you ever did or if you just always remember because you watched it when you were so young. You've just always known that. Well, I don't know because if you remember, he switched his, the Tom Marvolo Riddle into I Am Lord Voldemort. Right. And that was really cool for me. I thought that was cool. Okay. So you do remember that point actually happening. You go, yeah, I was just like, oh, no shoot. way. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I was like, okay, Tom Riddle, you kind of cute. You kind of cute. You got yeah, and he was. You what know, happened he was to you? He got so much, ugly. Yeah, he was very much well liked in the school. It's when he had a sniffer. When he had a sniffer. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your number four? Deathly Hollows Part Two. Um. Okay. All right. I have Order of the Phoenix. Okay. Um, Deathly Hollows Part Two. Why so low? Because. I think your uncle, he did the Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 at like 2 or 3 or something gotcha. like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but why why wouldn't it be any higher? I mean, it's a balls-to-the-wall action, just awesome. You find out about Snape, do yeah. all this kind of stuff. You know, what what doesn't make it high? Why is it not a little higher? I think it's just because, lower? for one, I was kind of sad because it was the last one. And two, like... It was just they were combining and putting all the rest of the action in that they needed to, and it was just closing everything up, and um, it was just so intense that it was just like my brain was like, yeah. we're just like explosion. You like the resolution. You like the tying of yeah. the loose threads For and sure. all that kind of stuff. Okay, I got you. I put Order of the Phoenix just because I like Order of the Phoenix, but you know, Drew made a really good point of where it's just like there's too much comedy in it. Right. Like that was supposed to be like a pretty dark book like like harry was just angry the whole book yeah and pretty much the movie he was he was kind of angry and stuff but um i don't know it's just it's you know and we even like thought about it we're like yeah he's like you know the thing with filch and it made malfoy a joke the movie before he was taken very seriously and everything so all right what's your number three half blood prince 
I love that movie. I know, me too. I love it so much. I had that as my number two, but I have Prisoner of Azkaban, this one that we're doing as number three. I can't remove it from my top three, but it was always my favorite when you and I were watching. Number three, how dare you? I know, I know. (laughs) I think it's just because we saw it so many times. Now I'm just like, like I could turn around and I could see, I could hear it. Uh-huh. You know, and if I was facing away from the TV, I all the images, I'd just see yep. it all and everything. We'd just seen. I mean, you and I were watching it, and we're, especially you, were doing every single line. Oh, exactly. Yeah, we were watching it last night, and it was just like, I could probably recite all the lines from the movie, because it's just, I've watched it so many times, and I, it's so good. I that, love it. <laughs> that's how it was when we were doing Speed. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we watched it together, and uh, Drew, you know, he always gets annoyed, because I know every single line of that, mm-hmm. that movie. <clears throat> I got something in my throat. Hang on. Nice. <coughs> All right. So, um, what puts Half Blood Prince here for you? Well, it's because understand. Sorry, understand. A lot of people don't like this movie. I it's love down it. at like the bottom of the list with Goblet of Fire because it's so. It was directed so differently, right? And it was directed by the same guy who did Deathly Hallows Part One and Two and Order of the Phoenix. But why does Half Blood Prince look so now? Like, is is that part of it, or you know, what's the reason? Well, you it's like it? it's higher on my list because uh, it's all about. It's mostly all about. I mean, you don't realize it until the end when he explains it. But it's all about Snape, and he is the Half Blood Prince, and we find that out later in the movie or whatever. Um, yeah, because there's some dark spells in that book. Oh yeah, Malfoy. Yeah, you would he, uh, think that that experiences was... that firsthand. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and Harry's like, "Oh my gosh, who have I been listening to?" Uh huh. Sectum Semper. I gotta yeah, love it. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just I really I love Snape, and uh, it was cool to see that he had as much as he seems dark in these first few movies. It just it shows how he has all of his like I don't know his mind in like a journal or whatever kind yeah. of thing. Um, I've heard that Snape is like one of the greatest duelists out of the whole series. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, he does take on McGonagall in the future and everything for certain reasons. But, um, yeah, I like Half-Blood Prince because of the Snape reveal at the end and everything. It's weird because, you know, the title of the book is Half-Blood Prince, and that was kind of like a mystery throughout the whole thing. But then it was kind of like revealed at the end. You're like, okay. But really what the driving point was is we found out about Horcruxes. Yes. And we found out about Voldemort's past. That's right, yeah. I love looking into, I love the scenes because in that book it shows scenes, the flashback of Voldemort's mother, uh, his father, uh, his grandfather and his uncle, Mm -hmm. and where he came from and why it is he can't feel love. Right. You know, all these different things. And then, you know, you get to find out all about that. You get to find out about what Horcruxes are. And you get to find out, oh, you know, look at this. You know, you get to find out about the ring or whatever. And you get to find out about um, they bring the diary. And I the never thought I'd see outer. that. Yeah, the putter outer. And I never thought I'd see Chamber of Secrets, the, the diary, Tom Riddle's diary ever again. Yeah. And then they brought that back. And we're like, oh, okay. And, you know, that's where he explains to Harry all about that. And so. that's one thing that I love about J.K. Rowling is that she planned all this from the beginning. And I just, I love the whole idea of the horcruxes and all of just it was all planned like the world building she yeah has, it yeah. was incredible and i just i love the horcruxes and how it was just such a great idea to put in there and how voldemort set all these up and you know they were right in front of our eyes the whole time and yeah. we couldn't see them but do you have a favorite horcrux 
Mm, probably Nagini, but that's really? just because I love snakes. Yeah, yeah, you're a snake lover at, yeah. at your uh, your work and for stuff. sure, for sure. Yeah, it's, mine's either the uh, the diary or the ring because of the diary because it's brought back and it's really cool and everything. But the ring because of what it is. Right. Yeah, I so. think if I were gonna get a tattoo, I'd get Nagini. <laughs> Did would you get Nagini? Yeah, because I was just planning getting... on getting a snake, but I'm like, I don't you know which kind. I was like, oh, Nagini. You should get perfect. a little snake that goes up your pinky or something. That'd be so cute. And then the rest of it comes up here. That's stuff. so cute. I love that. Oh, and then the rest of it can come around your wrist. That'd be pretty. That's sweet. too much. Okay, too okay. much. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, your number two. I bet I could guess. What? Um, what have we already done so far? Wait. I think I can guess. Order it doesn't know. There you go. <laughs> Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Yep. All right. So what puts this at number two for you? Mine's Half Blood Prince, by the way. But what's your? Uh, what puts this at number two for you? I love the whole the order of the phoenix like yeah. i love all the people did you, wait did you like the order of the phoenix or did you like dumbledore's army because those two get confused every once dumbledore's in a while. army dumbledore's sorry. army yes, okay. yes because we get introduced to uh like mad eye moody well we've met him already in uh goblet of fire okay <laughs> um but nymphadora talks which was super cool um and i really enjoyed that um, I don't know. I just I love to see a whole army come together. And what are you laughing at? Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but I just like to see. Um... <laughs> Make sure my eyes are open. Okay, so you like? <laughs> That's even worse now. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> okay, sorry. You like to see what? Okay. I just like to see the whole army band together and work with Harry and I, I love the scene where they were all turning into Harry. Um the seven Harrys. Yes, the seven Harrys. It was so cool and you know Wait. No, that's 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 uh half or that's Deathly that, Hallows. Is it really? Yeah, the seven god the seven <laughs> God dang it! Yeah, I know my stuff, right? No, no, no. I didn't know what you were thinking of is when the the order the uh, uh, gosh order of the phoenix showed up, put him on a broom, and they all had to race. Yes, through London. Yes, and, that's in London. London. Every time we say London, we have to say it like, London. like Stan Shunpike yeah. would say. And we're finally at the movie that he says it. Yeah, that un. We love the Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. It's in London. We love zitty old Stanley Shunpike. <laughs> Good old zitty old. And poor Stan Shunpike gets imperious in the future. And I was wondering if forced. we see any of any else of him. I know we don't in the movies, but do we in the books? Yeah, in the in the I books. Forget. Whenever they do the Seven Potters, actually, um, and they're leaving the house, uh, they all split up. And Stanley <laughs> Shunpike is one of the ones that actually it goes after the real Harry. You know, they all split up. They don't know who they're after, but uh, Stanley Shumpike, she's been uh, imperioed, so he's being forced to or whatever. But, and it wasn't the owl that gave Harry away. He used the, um, um, what's the the, the spot, the spell (laughs) to take the wand away? Stupefy? Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus, okay. That's Harry's signature spell, you know. Instead of killing, he's disarming. The difference between him and Voldemort. Expelliarmus. Yeah. But like all the rest of the order and stuff, they were straight up using killing curses. They were fighting to kill. For sure. But Harry doesn't do that. And they knew that. And so as soon as Stanley Shunpike saw Harry do that, he went back to go tell on him. Gotcha. Or whatever. And I think that he might have gotten cursed or whatever. But that's the only time we ever see him again. But Okay. That's the the <clears throat> Order of the Phoenix. Is that the one where we see the ear floating down the stairwell? Yeah, that okay, was when they were listening to. And that was pretty cool to see... Sirius and and Remus and the rest of the oh, order yeah. and you're just <laughs> looking at how just like 
just crappy they are. It's like a few people in a kitchen, and they don't have much of a plan. And think of how how different it was back in the first war. Oh yeah, where Dumbledore was like, I mean, straight up probably having you know Lancelot, right? You know, Arthur meetings and stuff like that. So yeah, I I love. Now correct me if I'm wrong because I've been seeing to get a lot of these parts no, wrong. Um, Order of the I'll Phoenix. I'll cut it out. We can just cut it out. Okay. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, did you hear that? My cock. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what? Um, so Order of the Phoenix, we see uh, Sirius, you know, reunite again with Harry in that uh, room, and then we have that epic battle in the oh, in the Department of Mysteries. Yeah, yeah. and that was in the Room of Requirement, right? No, no room of requirement. No, of course is, not. <laughs> room of requirement is where Dumbledore's army trains. Mm, yes, in yes, Hogwarts, yes, yes, yes. But yes. this is called the Department of Mysteries. And I think the specific room that the prophecies is probably like Department of Prophecies. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, yeah. that, and we had talked about how I, I liked that they cut out them going through. Do you remember that scene where they went through a bunch of, there was like spinning flying brains out of like tanks and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And there's just all kinds of like spinning rooms or what. I think the room actually that had the doors would spin or oh, something. Oh God, but that's awful. I'd throw up. It was just, <laughs> it, it, there was so much in there. It was like cool to see it all, but I was kind of like, well, I just want to get to the battle. Right. And in the movie it did that, so. All right. And I'm guessing your number one is the same as it's always been. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. So what makes this movie the best for you? Well, for me, I think, I mean, it's always been my, it's like my childhood movie. I always go back to it whenever I reminisce on old memories and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I really love the style of this movie. This is when they get a new director yeah. of the movies. And you can see with, even with the lighting, it gets so much darker yeah, and and one thing I wrote down was that had like the camera movements more yeah, dynamic. Whereas sure. Chamber and Sorcerer, it was like still cameras. I mean, oh, you yeah. follow every once in a while, but mostly it was just still cameras, and it switched to different people's perspective. But in this, the camera was like moving. You know, whenever oh yeah, Arthur was telling Harry about Sirius, and they'd move through the thing, and uh, you know how just how the cameras would move just in normal classrooms and everything and oh, yeah. you know transitions a lot more dynamic than just the still camera shots of people yeah i really enjoyed the the style of the movie that the new director created for the environment i think it was really cool and um i don't know it's when we get introduced to my favorite character um which was um series black oh you just gave away your number one for the next yeah. list and there we go <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> I'm going to do it every time. I know you will. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to do your list and we're ranking our favorite characters. Would you consider this favorite characters out of just the movies, out of just the books, or kind of just a mix of both? Uh, A little mix of both. I base mine off the movies just because this is a movie podcast. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, because there's there's other people in the books that weren't even in the movies that Mm -hmm. we could put in here, like Peeves. You know, a lot lot of people talk about Peeves. And on one of these episodes, we're going to talk about him and stuff. Peeves cracks me up. He does. And he's actually vital to one or two of the stories. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which one, but it's been a while since I read them all. All right, so since we couldn't decide and we, we have anxiety when it comes to trying to do this type of thing, what's your number 15? We'll try to go through these real quick. What's your number 15? Dobby. <clears throat> Poor Henry. I don't know. Poor <laughs> Sorry, Henry. Why, why is Dobby one on your list and why is he at the end? <laughs> one uh, one for Henry. No, I'm just right. kidding. Uh, well, it's part of it. Yeah. But um, I just love how loyal he is to Harry and uh, I think he's just uh, so precious and I love yeah. him. He is and he's got some good magic and he actually is pretty important i mean there's some pretty important things he does coming up 
Um, one of which it's not explained in the movie, so I guess I can talk about it now, but they're eventually going to need a room called the room of requirement. And, um, in the movie, it's Neville that finds it in the book. It's Dobby that tells Harry about it. I remember that. Yep. So, and they really need it. And, you know, he pops up every once in a while and helps out, you know, he helps creature find Mundungus and Mm -hmm. everything. So, you know, it's really cool to see him pop up every once in a while. My number 15 is James Potter. Okay. Um, just because I think he had a pretty cool arc that we never even got to see. Right. You just hear about it, you know, they got into school, Snape hated James and Lily hated James and everything, and he became super popular, like a Harry if he was like Malfoy, right? Because Harry was super popular, uh, but uh, but in that case, you know, Harry didn't really want the popularity, he didn't right. care about the popularity, whereas James did. So James loved the popularity. He was really good at magic, um, you know, better at better than Severus at a lot of things, but. They didn't like him, and they call him Snivellus, and <laughs> you know different things like that. So they bullied Snape a lot, and so you know he <clears throat> he was kind of a jerk. But then he eventually overcame it, which we'll talk about during this movie and everything. So, uh, your number fourteen, Nymphadora Tonks. Nymphadora, what do you like about Nymphadora? I just think she's really quirky, and uh, she's kind of fun, and I don't know. I think she plays a very good uh, role, and we'll find that she becomes. She has the hots for one of the characters in the she movies. Does. She does. And uh, she thinks he's very handsome. Yes. And uh, I don't know. I, I really like her. She she's just very unique. And obviously she's got she's not animagus, is she? No, no she's I like so. a uh, I can't remember what it's, it's the like an illusionist term, but kind it's, of thing. It's a shapeshifter. Yeah. So she could turn into things. And she could change her hair color. I love her hair. Kind of I love stuff. it. Yeah. That's my favorite part. I don't know if she could turn fully into them or just to do the different features. Yeah. But I have to imagine something like that. My number 14 was Bellatrix. Okay. You know, Henry will hate that too. I know. But <clears throat> she's just so cool because we, I like her a lot. we had like one major threat bad guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another woman that comes in two movies from now but she's kind of like she's not exactly a Voldemort person right. at first or whatever but anyways we needed somebody that was a real threat and that the pair that the kids and the other wizards had to contend with that wasn't Voldemort but that was still hard to deal with and I, I say that's Bellatrix yeah so she was cool I, I liked her character a lot even though I hate her at the same time yeah, but she's, you know. she's a terrible person but she's played awesomely by Helena oh Ron my Carter. gosh yeah I don't think anyone could ever play her best yeah, just her screeching and everything yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing <laughs> you filthy old blood uh, what's your number 13 Mad-Eye Moody okay which Mad-Eye Moody not Barty Crouch. Now, okay, so the Mad Eye that we see in Order of the Phoenix. The real, yeah. And then again in the last one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have the Weasley parents. I cheated. Okay. Because I was going to put. I almost put them together. I, I well, was just going <laughs> to put Arthur because he just makes me laugh. <laughs> he's just so like fun loving and, you know, he's not really a threat, but. You know, remember whenever Harry and Lupin were talking and uh-huh. like, well, it was a Half-Blood Prince or something, and he was just sitting there on the couch with a pillow and just like, and, and then leaves. Jenny comes in, he's like, all right, and he gets up and leaves. <laughs> he's just so, so funny. awkward. But Molly's awesome too. I love Molly. And she's awesome for different ways. She's awesome throughout the whole series because of what a motherly figure she is, and right. then she's awesome at the last part. Yeah, she comes a badass. that we know. For sure. Yeah, so I put the Weasley parents. What's your number 12? Hedwig. Okay. I love Hedwig. He's just, he's such a loyal animal. I don't know. I love animals, as you know. Is it a he or a she? 
he. <laughs> you said that did so I, uncompetently. No, you said he. Yeah, it's a it's a. Is it a he? No. <laughs> Hedwig sounds like a dude name. I guess. Or a male name. You know what? Oh my god, I don't know anything. Let me see. Hedwig. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. No. A. Oh my god. Boy, oh, somebody else's. It's a girl. It's a girl. God yeah. dang it. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that either, because but I, I think I had read somewhere my, maybe that it was or something. But yeah, yeah okay. it makes sense. Yeah, no big deal. But I, I still love her. Um, she, I don't know. She's, you know, you can, you'll find out that she's very, very loyal to Harry. Very loyal and, and very uh, important. I love her to death. Yeah. So. Uh, my tw- number twelve is Cedric. Okay. He was only in one movie, but James Patterson. It's it's James Patterson. I mean, oh my god, <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm literally leaving. James, whatever his freaking name is. <laughs> It is, probably his first name isn't even James, is it? <laughs> what is it? Robert Pattinson. Oh <laughs> Pattinson, that's what I... Oh, my God. I no, hate. not Pat, Pattinson. Pattinson, that's what okay. I said. Well, you just hate him, so you don't need to know him. No, You're like, it's like not, that just, guy that's Edward whatever, <laughs> I don't like Edward him. Edward Cullen, I, I don't know. I just can't... I don't know. He's just irritating to look at. Is he? Yeah, he does. Like, I know you don't want to watch the Batman, but like... Honestly, he does do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's mine, Cedric. Not for really the character, because he's okay, and, you know, he represented, you know, you got to see another student that wasn't a Gryffindor or Slytherin, you know? So, and I think we even get some Ravenclaws in the future, but, mm-hmm. like, nobody from really Hufflepuff we right. really get to deal with, but... Um, I like him just for what he symbolizes for Harry. Yeah. You know, it's that real kickoff. He had his parents die when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but his um, experiences with Cedric sets him on a whole new path. Yeah. Gives I think him a whole new. It, I think he witnesses. This, oh, my gosh. Witnesses something that I don't think he has witnessed in a long time. Or maybe it's the first time for him because Possibly. he doesn't even remember his parents. witnessing yeah. the first time. So, yeah. yeah. And it changes his whole attitude and persona for the next book for sure becomes an angry angry person for yeah. the, for part five so um what's your number 11 luna lovegood i have a le- i have luna i'm not going to show you but i got luna lovegood nice that's good because as you know me and drew have a tradition we get at least one as the same on our list on every list that we've nice. had i'm not sure if there's ever been one that we haven't but yeah i got luna on there She's great. I mean, we're going to talk about her in a few episodes and everything, but, you know, she's just so quirky and weird. Yes, I love her, and she cracks me up. And traumatic, but, like, she doesn't doesn't let it weigh her down. Right. You know? Yeah. I just love her. Um, What's your number 10? I counted them both, uh, Fred and George. No way! I have the twins as number (laughs) 10. Yes! Yes. That's okay. We're going to make the rest of our list be the exact same. Okay, okay. Yes. I I had the twins as number 10, and then I had all my honorable mentions after Uh there. Yeah, and I even had to remove Luna from a higher spot and put somebody else. But right, yeah, because I Fred and George, they're just a pair. You cannot have Harry Potter without it, Fred. And yes, George. they're just the comedic relief that we need in like the dark times. And I, I don't know, I love them. They crack me up. They're so funny. And actually, their mischief, uh, mischievousness, mischievousness, mischievousness. I think that's a mischief, mischievousness. Their mischief, mischievousness, mischievous. Uh, ways, uh, ways uh-huh. actually brought something very important to Harry in this book. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for them being like that, you know, they would have never, he would have never gotten one of his most important tools and everything. Right. Uh, what's your number nine? Number nine, I got Arthur Weasley. 
thought you were going to say somebody else. It <laughs> would have been three in a row. That would have been awesome. Arthur Weasley, okay, we talked about them, and he's just so cool and goofy. Oh Do you have gosh. Molly on your list somewhere? Yes, she's eight. Oh, and oh she's the next one. Yes, because, um, I don't know, I just much respect to them because they were another pa- they were parent figures for Harry yeah. um, whenever his parents were absent his whole life. Have you seen those memes where it's like, uh, you know, it's basically Lily talking to Molly saying, yes. because you watched, oh my gosh. You know, took care of, watched over my son, I will take care of and watch over yours. Uh-huh. You just <gasps> you spoiled that. Good, good job. No, I'm just kidding. It's so sad. I know, yeah, I but know. which one? You never know. There's never know. multiple. There's so many. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's cool. Um, you know, Molly and Arthur, they're just, you know. They're so awesome. Yeah, yeah, and we see how much of a badass Molly becomes. Oh man, she's so awesome! Like, like that's probably why Arthur's like, "Yeah, she can protect us, and I'm just gonna go do <laughs> uh-huh. my little Muggle studies." Exactly, the, yeah. she's gonna stay home with the kids and punish them. And, <laughs> and now you understand too why the Weasley kids are so afraid of Molly. Ex- exactly, because <laughs> they probably see she's, something equivalent to what I'd she does. I'd be scared of her yeah, too. I'd, she's I'd, scary. Too. Like, she just made that person disappear uh, uh-huh, into ashes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, so my number nine is McGonagall. Okay. I wish I could put that higher, but I just like all these others before. But like I said, I think that <laughs> that um, that uh, Dame Maggie Smith and um, Robbie Coltrane were just the best cast oh my people God, of the yes. whole cast. I mean, like I said, I love Snape. You know, your, your uncle kind of argued for him last time, but I'm like, but it's, he, you know, debonair, suave Alan Rickman right you just didn't see that but i mean you could see mcgonagall and maggie smith you can see hagrid and robbie coltrane but um, i don't think anyone I, else could have played those two i don't either and uh i so i put mcgonagall uh, at number nine um she's pretty p- pivotal but in <clears throat> kind of just passing moments right and then number eight i put moody uh but the barty crouch jr version of moody really yeah, and the reason is because I didn't think that we got really much from Mad-Eye Moody after that. Like, he kind of popped up, and, show, and and we saw him do different things. Now, he did help Harry in a lot of things. Order the Phoenix, Deathly Hallows. He was there for him, picking him up from the thing, helped him out in the ministry, and saving him again, The you know, in the last book. Right. Yeah. He's so, cool. but I like the Barty Crouch Jr. one because first, it's our first introduction to the character when we don't even get to meet the actual character. Right. Um, he did actually, he did more to teach the kids besides the teacher that we're going to talk about in this episode <laughs> than any other defense. Yeah, yeah he, I, did, I he would, did dang good. Yeah, I would say Barty Crouch Jr. and Lupin were probably the best teachers they had. Yeah. Now, Barty Crouch Jr. as Lup- as uh, Moody taught him some pretty dark stuff. He taught uh-huh. him the f- unforgivable curses, but I think they're supposed to learn about that anyway. Right, and he showed uh, he, he showed Malfoy he showed Malfoy what it Malfoy what it's like to be an animal. Exactly, because <laughs> we all know that nobody, even on the Death Eater side, respects Lucius Malfoy. So any all the Malfoys are looked at as pathetic. Exactly, they just happen to be rich, so people have to kind of deal yep. with them or whatever. So, um, okay, what's your number seven? Albus Dumbledore. <clears throat> Ooh, I was close on that one. I got Dumbledore on my six. Yeah, the Michael Gambon version to specify. Okay, Michael Gambon version. Okay, uh, I have number seven. Uh, number seven, I have Dobby. Okay. So, but I have Dumbledore as number six. You have him as number seven. Um, not much to say about Dumbledore. He's just freaking awesome. You know? He's awesome 
and what a lot of people don't realize that I feel makes him even more awesome or more fleshed out is that he has a crazy dark past. I know, and he's planned, it seems like, like J.K. Rowling, he's planned everything out and he knows, it's like he knows freaking everything. Yep. And we've talked about this in these last two episodes that he's kind of got this master plan going on and he's always working behind the scenes doing things and right. we need to figure out what Dumbledore's plan is. Yeah. Um, number five? Uh, you mean six? Oh, six. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I had McGonagall as number six. Number six. Okay, yes. we already talked about McGonagall. Mm-hmm. You like her for any particular reason or she's just she's just awesome, awesome. Yeah, she's, she's just awesome, awesome all witch. around yeah and she's she's pretty old because we saw her in uh well okay you haven't seen a couple of the fantastic beast movies so i'll just Mm-mm. shut up okay <laughs> um but uh okay so i have uh i already told you i had number six as dumbledore or six as dumbledore you had it as mcgonagall so what's your number five draco malfoy and i have draco on my list <laughs> How He's just such you. a little turd. Well, but I understand women having him on his list. Well, Not listen, only that. Listen, but, uh, you know, you. I don't know if I can say this. But you can cut it out if sure, not. Yeah. But everyone says that Draco made all the wrong choices and different stuff. But I've seen this somewhere. This is like a quote. So I'm literally quoting it. So don't when be mad. Says to Malfoy, who made all the wrong choices. Yes, but he didn't. I don't think he even had a choice because of his family and just his inevitable 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 you know future with certain things and product product of his upbringing right yeah for sure and uh i feel bad for the kid because he was forced to be part of so many things that i'm sure he wouldn't want to be i have a counter argument though okay (laughs) because we're all about disagreeing as much as we can on this show Mm -hmm. i love arguing let's go bring it okay harry should have been a lot angrier than he was okay i mean look at his life you know Uh he's constantly stepped on and abused and all that kind of stuff but he had still had a good heart maybe that was you know uh uh, nature over nurture Mm -hmm. or whatever but um serious grew up in a terrible family all the blacks were were horrible people and they were related to the Lestranges, and they were terrible people right so you know, he came out of it, though, and was the only black slash Lestrange to go to Gryffindor. Everybody else is in Slytherin. Like, how do you get somebody like that with an upbringing like he had? He just had a certain type of nature in him that, you know, drew him to better people like James and, right. and Lupin. So <clears throat> now Malfoy has the added part of of being rich. Mm-hmm. So like. You know, Harry's rich or, you know, his dad's family was rich and everything like that. But they weren't Malfoy rich. Yeah. You know, like crazy, crazy rich. For sure. Or whatever. His so, dad bought all the, the whole Quidditch team exactly. new brooms. So spoiling and everything like that. He wasn't abused. He was lifted up and then encouraged to do that bad behavior. So I would agree with you that, that he really didn't stand much of a chance for somebody like Lucius as his father. Right. But if other people want to say, well, what about Harry? What about... Um, serious and everything well yeah but they were also like not liked by the people that were being raised whereas draco was liked and he had the so so he just completely spoiled and selfish yeah i just i think with me like harry he his parents weren't super involved with he who must not be named and voldemort and different stuff like that um whereas uh draco's parents he his parents were always 
like followers of Voldemort and a bunch of followers. I know. And I, I feel like if I were to be Draco, I feel like I would be afraid to betray my parents because I'd be worried that something would happen to me from Voldemort's side because I decided to step away from that environment and those people. Um, so I think he was just raised to follow their path. And I don't know. I don't know. I just I I would be scared to join them. Yeah. Draco has a he has all the resources behind him to be able to act the way he does for sure without caring about how it affects people. Yeah. Because, you know, people are afraid of his family because they're so linked to Voldemort and, and, you know, dark arts and everything like that. And they're also afraid of his family because they got a lot of money and can buy a lot of people off. So, yeah, he gets to get away with pretty much everything he does except around Dumbledore. For the most part. Yeah, for sure. My number five is Ron. Okay. He's the only of the core three that I have on oh, he's here. he's up there. But that's just because he's freaking hilarious. He is amazing. Yeah. Because, I mean, like the others, like, I think I say everybody below this kind of comes in and out every once in a while or whatever. But, I mean, Ron's there. And out of the core three, I mean, Harry's Harry. He's the hero. Okay, cool. Hermione's Hermione. But, you know, she can she gets get on irritating. your nerves at, yeah. Yeah, after a while. But Ron is just hilarious. Yeah. He can get on your nerves every once in a while, too. Like, next movie when he's mad at Harry for no reason. I know. He's being ridiculous. Yeah. But, I mean, Men, for, the I most, swear. Like, for the most part, though, I mean, he's pretty loyal. Right. Like, he has that part and then the part in the Deathly Hallows where he kind of goes sideways a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, he would die with Harry, with Harry. For sure. And you don't have, you don't see that a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, what was your number four? Professor R.J. Lupin. Oh, okay. I have that slightly higher. Okay. Um, Lupin, what do you like about Lupin? Um, I just freaking love him. I just everything about him. I don't know. He uh, was introduced in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he shows Harry, um, you know, he teaches him <clears throat> certain spells and he, I don't know, I think it's Harry was able to see that this is a man that was close to my parents. Um, and he, as you, you'll realize later in the movie, um, they were very close to him and they wouldn't betray him. Yeah. So. I, I was going to wait, but I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Lupin's my number one. Okay. <clears throat> He's my number one favorite character from these. Um, I, you know, he was a marauder. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, so he's linked to Harry's past, his history, both to his mother and his father. He is probably one of the only truly good characters, Mm -hmm. while also being one of the most dangerous. Right. You know, because of his werewolfness and everything. But... He uh, he's one of the true one of those. Tra- and that's what makes the werewolf thing so tragic is that he's actually a truly good person. And, you know, like even when they uh, they were bullying Snape back in the day, he was the only one that came back and said he regretted it. And he wasn't really even do it. He just kind of went along and well, it was really just James and Sirius. And so he was just kind of like. He didn't like the fact that they did it. It really, he, you know, he didn't want to bully anybody. You know, he was with these guys because they were his friends and they helped him through his struggles and everything. But <clears throat> I don't know. I just like those truly good people. He had a lot to tell about, you know, Harry's parents' past, and which I thought was really cool. He taught Harry one of the most important, you know, uh, spells that Harry will ever use. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just really good character. Really, just like truly good character and. I never got one sense that he was a bad guy. Mm-mm, never. Or anything like that. Even when they were at the Shrieking Shack and he came in and it looked like he was working with Sirius. The fact that they did that showed me that Sirius was a good person because yeah. I just had no doubts about Lupin. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Lupin's a, Lupin's a very good character. I'm glad you have him in top five. Um, that was your number four, right? Yes. My number four is Hagrid. Okay, that's I mean, my number three. I love Hagrid. He's, He's the just, best. You, how can you not love Hagrid? And, and Okay, so I said that Lupin was a truly good... This is another one. that's <laughs> truly good person. Now, I mean, he has his own faults and everything like that, uh, but... You know, he's absolutely 100% loyal to Dumbledore. Right. Absolutely 100% loyal to Harry, mm-hmm. you know, and probably Hermione and Ron and everything. But yeah, um, for being who he is, he, he does get a lot done and is very vital to the story, don't you think? Right. Yeah. And he's, he's like a very a dad figure i feel like for the core three or maybe uncle one uncle, of those uncle yeah, figures where uncle you're just kind like of things. it's not so much dad it's like uh, you know cool little uncle exactly that you can kind of maybe ignore if and that kind of that kind of reminds me of a teacher that i had back in school who was my horticulture teacher shout out mr tanner shout um, out shout out is this <laughs> the one that i met uh, yes, it is. Okay. It is. And uh, I don't know, because he was, his, Hagrid's just so cool, and, you know, you can be yourself around him, and he's, he's you know, his self around you, and I don't know, Hagrid is just awesome, and I, I love him. I like how he'd just rip anybody's heads off. Exactly. And, you know, like, he's so powerful, but he never uses it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they were shooting curses at him in Half-Blood Prince, mm-hmm. and they are kind of just bouncing off of him because he's a giant. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of spells don't work on giants. He's right. a half-giant, so, I mean, a lot of that doesn't work, but I like how... You know, he has a little history, too. Like, he's not supposed to be doing magic, and you kind of find right. out why. And mm-hmm. it's, I think he was given a bit more confidence after that was exposed last movie to be doing what he's doing in this movie. For sure. So, um, all right, what's your number three is Hagrid. Yep. My number three is Snape. Okay, that's my number two. Okay. I, th- I think we're going to continue going like uh-huh. this all the way up because <laughs> I have uh, Lupin at, at number one or whatever. Um, all right, so what do we have to say about Snape? Uh, so, you know, so, I'm, so much, so much, you don't even wouldn't as, have time. Maybe not as much in this movie or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's just so much to say about him. Because I think at first glance, if people were to first watch the movie, I'm sure Snape would be on the, on a, on their poop list. Yeah. He's a jerk at best. Yep. And, and a evil bad guy right. at worst. But we understand, we learn to understand why he is the way he is later on in the franchise, but I just, I think he's always there for kids, the kids, even if he can't stand them. Um, but I don't know. I, I've always loved Snape and, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, you know, different. I don't know. I, I really, really like him. I love his character. Um, I don't think anyone could play him better than no, uh, Rickman did. Alan amazing. Rickman could. He did an amazing job. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Yeah, and I like how when he did pass, there was all these things on Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. people pointing their there still is, I'm sure stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he played the character, you know, just brilliantly, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think it at first, but and he's also one of the only ones, and we'll get into it a little bit here, but the one of the only ones that knew what was going to happen. Yeah, at least with his character For in sure. the future, and was given details by J.K. Rowling herself. So that he could play the character better. So you'd have directors going, "Hey, uh, why don't you do this, this, and this?" And he'd be like, "No, mm-hmm. my character wouldn't do that." <laughs> exactly. And they're like, "Wait, what?" And he's like, "Talk to the boss." You know, so he like knows him better, <laughs> knows himself better than any of the other ones do. Exactly. He'll be like, "Look, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it as long as it's within what the character I'm exactly. playing would do." So, uh, and your number two. Uh, number two is Snape. Snape, okay. Mm-hmm. And my number two is Sirius. And that's my number one. And your number one is Sirius. All <laughs> uh-huh. right, so what makes Sirius, I mean, I know, 
Uh, for me, or at least, or whatever. But what makes Sirius the best character for you? Uh, well, he is Harry's godfather, as we find out in this movie. Yeah. And uh, I just think that Harry is so excited that this person is so close to him in heart. Um, and even though they're not blood-related, um, he knows that his parents made him his godfather, so they obviously mean so much to them. Yeah. So I think that's what makes him so mean so much to Harry. Yeah. Um. And he is just, he truly is a great person. Um, and he loves Harry and Harry loves him. And I don't know, I love their duo together. I think they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, there's something about him because he's so wild at first, but then he's so dignified. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way he's talking and the way he dresses and everything. But there's so much, um, there's so much, what do I want to say? Um, darkness in okay. him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, but he's also got this cloud over him. He's a black, you know, and he, he wants to, uh, he wants to be like James and like all these people. And, you know, he looks up to Dumbledore. He looks up to James. He looks up to these good natured people and he's a black. So he knows what he's supposed to be like. Right. But he's just miserable because he always ha he has you know, the history over his head. Exactly. So he's kind of troubled with that and he deals with his own darkness. Yeah. And we're going to get into some of that darkness in here because there was a lot of stuff that was not put in the movie that was in the book. For sure. So, um, yeah. And then my, of course, my number one is Lupin. Um, Lupin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, all right, cool. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This movie came out in 2004. It was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. The writers were J.K. Rowling, as usual. She wrote the novel The Source Material, and Steve Close is back for the screenplay. Uh, like I said before, I'm pretty sure Order of the Phoenix is the one movie that Steve Close didn't do the screenplay for. Um, and maybe that's why it's a long, long, long book, but pretty short movie and everything. Guess who's in the top cast this time? Is it is Alan Rickman? Emma Watson is. Oh, in I mean top. Emma. Watson. No, no, but but Emma Watson is in. Oh Alan God. Rickman is still not in the top cast. Oh my God! Maybe they just because he becomes so important. What the he heck? does? But I mean, he's not in a lot of scenes really yeah, until later. Maybe I that's guess. why he's not. Um, but we do at least have Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Uh, Granger. It also stars da uh, Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, Richard Griffiths is back as Uncle Vernon, as well as Fiona Shaw. And uh, Harry Melling as uh, Aunt Petunia and Dudley Dursley, respectively. Um, Pam, Pam Ferris is in this as Aunt Marge. Um, <laughs> and then we have a, a few people playing like uh, the young James and the young Lily and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the, 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 the real ones is like Gary Oldman as Sirius Black. And um, we have a new Dumbledore. Michael Gambon. A more warrior Dumbledore was needed for these later movies. I agree. So it might have kind of been like, you know, not like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds horrible. So terrible. <laughs> but it might have kind of been like, well, that's, that works out. Okay. It's like, I'm not uh, mad I'm, about it. I mean, rest in peace, but. I, horrible. I can't believe he passed away. Yeah. But maybe they were just hoping he would just retire. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the, the producers terrible. would be like, ah, oh, Why do you talk like this? <laughs> producer probably, ah, oh, dang it. But yeah. bring in Michael. That's yeah. funny. You bring in Mr. Gambin. And if you've seen Michael Gambin in anything, you wouldn't think that, like, uh, it just seems, it doesn't seem like he'd be the one 
to come in and play Dumbledore because yeah. he doesn't seem very Dumbledore-y. Dumbledore-y, yep. Yeah. I get you. So, um, do you remember first watching this movie? I don't remember the first time I watched it because I've watched it so many times, so I can't even remember. Do you? <clears throat> I can't. No. I watched the first couple when we were in Utah, and then I think I spaced out of Harry Potter for a while when I joined the military. Gotcha. And then... Um, Obviously, we had our times together, mm-hmm. and whenever I'd see you on the weekends and stuff, we'd uh, we'd watch this together. I mean, you'd get dropped off. I'd come home from work. We'd immediately go out. Taco Bell. Let's go get some Taco Bell. It was right down the street, and we got, I think, Baja Blast just came out or something. Yeah, bean whatever. burritos. We'd get Taco Bell. We'd get bean burritos. We'd come back. And, we, and it was basically like an everyday thing. It was a tradition. Yeah, everyday because tradition. like I tried to like like I fed you healthy stuff and everything, <laughs> but for the most part, when it came to lunchtime, sweetie, what do you want for lunch? I want Taco Bell, and we need to come back and watch Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Roger that. I All think right, you. That's when it. you introduced me to the cheesy Fiesta potatoes. I'm I like, might God, have. Yeah, because so you were just like it has sour cream. <laughs> Did I not like sour cream? I don't think you liked it wow. that age or whatever. What's wrong with me? I know that we'd watch different Harry Potters, and at this point, I think only. I think only Goblet of Fire had come out and then Order of the Phoenix was about to come out. Right. Yeah, I just, I remember I wasn't allowed to watch after Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Because it had gotten to adultery. And, and maybe we, maybe actually I don't think we let you watch past Prisoner of Azkaban for a while because Goblet of Fire is where we get our first, like, death. Yeah, casualty. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But either way, I know Order of the Phoenix was coming out about this time mm-hmm. um, because it came out before I left. That's crazy. It is crazy. But I, I, I just, this is what I remember getting into them the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, we, you liked them so much. I went out and got, you know, a set of books that mm-hmm. you could read if you wanted to. And I think we both read on them and um, consumed them so quickly because it was just such a good story. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Do you have anything for behind the scenes stuff? I don't really. I mean, besides the fact that we got a new Dumbledore. Um, the sets were different. The lighting was a lot different, I noticed. It yeah. was a lot darker, a lot like bluish green. It has like a tint to yeah. it. I don't know. It was cool. I liked it a lot. And in the first two movies, we didn't really go out anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of them were just inside in the, the castle. castle. Yeah. We'd get to go out to where like Hagrid's hut was mm-hmm. and the Forbidden Forest, but the Forbidden Forest was a set. Right. Um, about by Hagrid's hut, that looked like it was outside somewhere, but I mean. We got all kinds of shops a, in this movie. Set. But this one, I mean, it went everywhere. First of all, it expanded Hagrid's Hut where it is. It's in a completely different location, it looks like. Mm-hmm. We get to see um, Hogsmeade. We get to see Hogsmeade. We get to see the Shrieking Shack. Mm-hmm. The Whomping Willow's in a different place now. It is. I've always was wondering about that. Yeah. and cool And then now they need to have it lead there and everything. And they, they, they actually shot on location in Scotland. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like so many different dynamic elements to this than the static ones that you would just have in a studio or on a set or whatever so it's just opening up the world it's like cracking the egg a little bit more you know just opening it up and uh it kind of goes with harry's journey because his eyes and world is being opened now too when he finds out about everything that's gone on in the past right so um, I think that's all I have to say about the that uh, the, the, the behind BTS. the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of it's just kind of as usual stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure Alfonso's the one that I <clears throat> that I had talked about earlier. He, I think he's the one that did it. Had the kids write their essays. That was and, so funny. Yeah, and uh, Harry 
or uh, Daniel Radcliffe wrote like a, even... a paragraph or a page or uh-huh. something, but it wasn't anything. He didn't put a lot of effort into it. Hermione wrote like four pages, and uh-huh. Ron or uh, Harry didn't even Rupert do it. Didn't even yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it pretty much goes with their character and everything. So it's I perfect. Think, and then Alfonso Cuarón, he actually he also goes on to do like Gravity, mm-hmm. and what did he win an Oscar for? Was it Gravity? I have no clue. I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's what he. Uh, I know he that he's won one, and I'm pretty sure it was for. Uh, for gravity but he's done a lot of different things he's done a lot of uh like uh spanish-speaking film uh e2 mama tambien um children of men gravity that was a big one that he did so have you seen anything else that he's done nope. before this i don't think so i might have but i don't pay attention that much i just watch the movie and go on with my day i don't look up the producers and different stuff like that yeah but. so i guess he just did some a lot of Spanish language films, gotcha. and uh, then he did Gravity, which is what he got the uh, the Oscar for, and everything. Gotcha. So, um, all right. Well, I'm ready to get into this. If you're ready to get into it, heck yeah. What's your, what? Just out of curiosity, what's your first note? Well, I put the first thing I wrote is because uh, I just kind of wrote notes about the things that were going on in the movie, so I could keep track. And right. it was just Harry doing magic illegally in his bedroom. <laughs> Yeah, what's what's that all about? I, because I'm pretty sure it's like explained away, but like there's quite a few times that the magic is performed by Harry yeah. in the house, and and he never gets in trouble for it. Now we obviously know that they're trying to set him they're, up in order of the Phoenix. Yeah, I know in this one, their their only reason that I think he didn't get in trouble was just because they were trying to protect him and keep him safe and keep him at Hogwarts. Yeah, and you know it's like an angry thing. You know, it's just kids doing that or whatever. Right. Now he's thrown out a Patronus charm or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, the, of course that just feeds the the what they consider the lie in order of the phoenix but yeah so students aren't allowed to be doing magic outside of hogwarts um there's a restriction on underage magic use and uh you would think that they could do it in like the presence of their parents which i think is a thing um i just can't be sure any harry potter diehard harry potter fans out there want to let us know i think that they're allowed to do it in the 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 presence of their family or guardians or whatever who maybe, knows maybe um but i think harry seems to get away with it quite a bit yeah and a lot. you know i mean look at look at her well i was gonna say look at hermione and what she did to her parents but that was a crisis that was a little different situation <laughs> i was i just wrote marge being a bitch to harry so. because she was she is so terrible what is her what is her well i mean she comes from the the same family as vernon yeah. So, and you could tell that, like, even Vernon was probably dominated by Marge when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And you can see later, she becomes even a, a becomes an even bigger one, literally. <laughs> when she gets blown up. Uh-huh. Calls him, uh, the school that he goes to is for hopeless cases. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but, but really trashing his parents. And I think this is the first foreshadowing that we're going to get information about the parents. Because she's asking, what was the, what was his mom like? And then, uh, or what was the dad like? And then afterwards, she's like, actually, it has nothing to do with the dad. You mm-hmm. know, it's the mom and everything. And I noticed that uh, Petunia seemed to be a little standoffish and not responding. I was going to ask you about that. Because I think she knows that some odd things had happened in the past where if he gets upset or riled up or any kind of, you know, anything, something supernatural happens and he causes something to happen, whether it be a cake to the face, like in the last movie. Um, 
she knows that he's going to get riled up and something's going to happen and it's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know if she's worried about him doing that or if there's a bit of her that doesn't like her sister as much as she doesn't like her being called a bitch. Now, obviously, Maybe. they were talking about like comparing them to dogs. So that's right. why she said the bitch. But <clears throat> I'm wondering if, one, Marge is saying that any problems with kids, it's on the woman. Mm. You know, she's not going to put it on Vernon, Mm-mm. her brother. She's going to put it on women, which actually puts Dudley's uh, uh, persona. Or yeah, whatever. his his his, his bad badness or whatever, or any kind of flaws or anything with Dudley that on puts it on her. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if she's one thinking about like, I don't agree with that. You know, it's not yeah. all my fault. And then two on the other level, thinking of her sister mm. and thinking Harry's gone wrong because her sister because. She didn't like her sister, but maybe she blamed James more than she blamed Lily for them dying. Possibly, yeah. So, yeah, there's got to be some... I I would love to know what's going on in Petunia's mind at moments like this. Maybe it's just something as as vapid or or empty as just, you know, oh, just don't talk about me, you know, just not caring about it. Right. I don't know. But he gets mad and he causes her to inflate and to Mm -hmm. blow up into a giant ball and she floats away. The finger. Yeah. starts inflating. It starts with the finger and everything. But, you know, he, he knows that he's not supposed to be using magic. So he figures, okay, I'm going to be about to ex- get expelled. So I'm leaving. I'm Do you think away. that was him that did that? Because I know, like, because I've seen Dumbledore perform magic without a wand. And I, I don't know. It's just like. Do you think he got so mad that he didn't have to use magic with a wand I think to it be is. able to do that? I think the way I see it is, you know, kids, all magical kids that have powers, they use magic before they get a wand, right? By accident mm-hmm. when they're younger. And I think by controlling it with a wand while they're in school, by the time that they're adults, they're so focused on that that now they you know they're naturally channeling their magic and now they can't use the magic unless they have the wand right so maybe he's still at this point where where he can do it but i think it's always been you know nobody's ever said that it was anybody else it's always because when i used to watch it i wondered if it was somebody else because it's like well harry's not maybe it's just a dobby thing or something yeah that's why i first saw when i first watched it but i think it was just harry getting angry and doing that you know because he was like she's like bring him back and he's like no (laughs) exactly i'm good yeah and the minister's like look you know we understand no big deal so they obviously knew which means he used underage magic but they probably knew it wasn't a mistake because he didn't use his wand Mm -hmm. maybe um So anyways, he's like, I'm out of here. He grabs all his stuff and uh, they're going to, they're like, oh, you're going to be expelled. And he's like, it's better than being here. Yeah, exactly. uh, She she walks, or he walks out of the house. And he was better than here. In the distance in the night sky, you can see Marge flying around. (laughs) 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 Hilarious. So funny. Yeah. So um, let me think. When he's, uh, when he goes to sit down to wait for a bus he, uh, I think this is when we first get a, a taste of the new producer's magic, and we see how dark and eerie and creepy it looks. It does. There's the and swings like all in the, the background, wetness, the uh-huh. water everywhere. That mm-hmm. was that was perfect because it makes it feel colder. It does, and you hear the swings moving, and the seesaw, and then the rustling of the leaves, and, and then suddenly, uh huh, you see a little a little wolfy come out of the. And I thought woods. it was a wolf. I thought that was because I had heard that this movie had werewolves, so I thought that was the werewolf. Yeah, or something. Um, <clears throat> before we get into that, because we we brushed over a couple things. Um, uh, so instead of a real threat, 
In this one, Harry has to face the event and betrayal that changed his life forever. Because there's not a real... We talked about this in the last episode, but I don't think there's a real threat in this movie. If you think about it, and we can talk more about it when we get to the end, but there's not really a threat. It's more about him facing his inner demons and his past and his parents' past. Yeah, and I think the threat is him trying to figure out who really was the one that portrayed his parents. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. Because Until remember, yeah. in the, both the book and the movie, it's a thing where... Um, there's no mystery. Right, yeah. And if you read the book, too, there's really no mystery. It's Sirius Black is coming. He's going to kill you. Okay. And there's no kind of argument back and forth until the end. There's a little a bit of, okay, there's this Peter Pettigrew, and Harry finds out more about what happened. It just makes him angrier and angrier. It's yeah. serious. Um, and, you know, there's a mystery of, okay, well, why are we seeing Peter Pettigrew on, you know, is the map flawed or whatever? So right. I think, this, you know, this is the first time where he hasn't really, it's more of an existential threat. Yeah, I think there's just multiple little, little antagonists here yeah. and there with the Dementors. and Yeah, and like I told Drew, I was like, those are more like nuisances mm-hmm. right now, but they come like much important later. Right. And this is also the story where Dumbledore was least involved, mm-hmm. you know, besides Deathly Hallows. But um, <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> but I mean, this is the story where he was least involved uh-huh. in what was going on because you know we know that Dumbledore's got this grandmaster plan, right? Right. Well, now in this movie, Sirius is has escaped, and Dumbledore has to put a hold on his plan and deal with this mm-hmm. He's like, because this it. is the person that killed. Harry's parents. Right. He's right. like, oh, yes, another another, uh, another person to mess with my kids and put them in danger. Exactly. And he's like, oh, now i got to deal with this. I'm working this into my plan. This mm-hmm. is going to take years. How has he not been fired? <laughs> it's like, good Lord. <laughs> Why do you keep putting these kids in danger, <laughs> I know. Dumbledore? Come on, Albus. Um, yes, as you say, the, the scene is set. It's dark. It's creepy. There's water dripping everywhere. It makes it feel more cold and everything. I think there might have been you could see Harry's breath a little bit maybe Mm -hmm. or something, but it's summertime. So do you think that the Dementors are around? Possibly because they do freeze things up. Um, I'm sure they were possibly nearby because I know they were supposed to be following Sirius around. Or looking for Sirius. Looking for him and he was... I'm I'm assuming that they have knowledge that this person would want to go after Harry. Possibly. So, so they might be near his house, possibly. Because that's the only thing I could think that would excuse Sirius's growl and bark. Because mm-hmm. he growls at Harry. He does. And I was always wondering about that. Like, Harry looks and sees his dog creeping, and he's creeping out of the book. She's like, mm-hmm. and then it barks once or twice, makes Harry fall down, where he puts his hand out or his wand out, and then the bus comes. And that's what you're supposed to do to call the bus, is like, either just put your thumb out or something like that. But... <clears throat> I wonder why he growled and barked. And I wonder if it was maybe because the Dementors were close. Maybe. And he was just like, oh, no. Or maybe he's like, hey, boy, what's up? (laughs) And there are some theories out there that think that say that because Sirius was so like him and James were so always pranking people and they were always doing crap like that. Like like James would have thought this was funny. That Sirius did this to his son. Like, like, let me scare him and scare him and everything, you know. So maybe he was just like. I'm just going to try to scare him real quick. <laughs> see what happened. You know, okay, he's fine. Let me try to scare him. Or maybe he was trying to scare him to go back home because he knew how dangerous it was for him to be out on the street. Maybe. 
Who you know, knows? If he just had to put his thumb up to get the bus, why didn't he do that in the first place? Why did he have to sit around and be all creeped out by the creepy environment? Ridiculous. Because he does heck? not know what the night bus is. He does not. That's true. <laughs> he, the, the Dumbledore and the rest of them are leaving him very, you know, uneducated on the magical world. He, there's, a, there's tons of stuff that pop up in every single book or movie that you're like, why didn't you know about this like two movies ago? Right. You know, you, this is simple information that should have been told to you. But every summer he has to go to back to his, his place and he doesn't really. But I mean, you think during the school year he'd find learn about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Do you think screen. he was just waiting for a regular bus then? No, I think he was trying to run away, but he didn't know what to do or oh, so where to go. He just sat and contemplated. Yeah. And at this point, he didn't know that he was in danger, at least from Sirius. That's true. And he didn't know he was supposed to stay at his parents' house because we had mentioned in the first one. We just had to mention it, <laughs> get it out of the way, that Harry's at his aunt's house because her blood, Petunia's blood, is the same as Lily's blood, and it provides that protection, mm-hmm. the first protection that he got whenever she gave her life for Harry. So, But he doesn't know that at this point, mm-hmm. I don't think. You know, he doesn't know that that's the reason he has to stay here. So right, he just he, says, "Anyways, better than here." Anyways, better than here. Yeah, he's very dramatic on the here. <laughs> I don't think it's better than here. Anyways, better than here. Oh, crack me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that's what that's that's what I think. But um, so, anyways, he gets on the uh, he gets on the the night bus. The night bus, and uh, everybody loves the night bus. We only see it like this one scene is never spoken about again. Uh, or at least heard from again. I think Stanley Shunpike is is brought up again and everything. But I mean, you never really see it again. At least that I can remember. Yeah, I don't know. They should have used it for more things. Possibly. But I, I guess maybe is it just a London bus or is it like an everywhere bus? I think it's just probably just a London bus. Yeah. It's in London. It's in London. He says it's gonna be a bumpy ride. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. I don't <laughs> think that shrunken head was in the book. You don't think so? I don't know. I can't remember. Well, actually, no, I don't think it was. I think it because. I was looking back, and I don't, I don't think it is. Because I think Stan was just talking to Ernie directly, yeah. mm-hmm. and that was something just to keep. I don't know what the heck that was for, but um, <clears throat> it was random. But anyway, that's when we find out uh, from Stanley Shumpike, the operator of the bus, uh, that Sirius Black has escaped, and you know Harry's like, "Who's this?" And mm-hmm. he's like, "Who's that? Who's that?" A serious black that, that is. Uh huh. Yeah, and so then he tells me he's like, "Oh, he was a." He's a murderer, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, used to follow you know who and everything. He's like, reckon you've heard of him? Yeah, him I've heard of. Uh huh. Him I've heard of. Yeah. So basically, he finds out one that there's this guy named Sirius Black that everybody's afraid of because he's escaped now. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't find out exactly how he escaped or what or, or what he did, but that he's a murderer mm-hmm. and that he used to follow Voldemort. And so immediately Harry's like, well, this is automatically one of my enemies. This is lovely. Yeah. Gotta love another another great year. <laughs> another great year. Here we go again. Uh-huh. Um, but I think in the book it shows that he's been escaped for like earlier, since early in the summer. This hasn't just happened right before he goes to school. It's, right. It's been, he escaped a while ago. Gotcha. Yeah, Basically I, ever since the Weasleys went to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what were you about to say? Yeah, because they were going, going on vacation, right? Yeah, but were they? Huh? Huh? We'll get into that next scene. Okay. It's one of my theories of, of Dumbledore's. Um, oh, one thing. I think, sorry, just going back a no, little bit. Um, I think with the whole shrunken head thing, I think it was just to show that this isn't an ordinary bus. I think it's 
Because if you just see the two, you, you see Stanley and you see Ernie, I think people would and assume a like... Depper, Decker bus. Depper bus, uh-huh. Depper. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just like, oh, this is this is a magical bus, you know? This is a magic school a bus. School. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the magic school bus. Yep, this is Miss Fran. Is that her name? I can't remember. I, rem- I love that show, but I can't yeah. remember. They, they used to go inside people's bodies and stuff. It was very weird. That's nice. Shrink down and everything. Nice, but, nice. Um, so he escaped from Azkaban, and this he was the first to escape Azkaban. Right, and mm-hmm. last last movie is the first time we heard about Azkaban. We know it's a terrible prisoner or prison, um, but uh, basically he's assuming, okay, this this kid's this guy's escaping. He's gonna come attack me, right? Mm-hmm. So he meets at, when he's at the um, leaky cauldron. the leaky cauldron. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Hermione and Ron are both there. I'm mm-hmm. sure it explains it in the book. Uh, but Ron and the rest of his family are there. Hermione, I guess, has come to stay. And I think it's maybe at the request of Dumbledore. Hey, let's have people go along with Harry. Yeah. Because we don't want him to be by himself. In danger, right? Right. Yeah. And that's my theory about why the Weasleys went to Egypt. I think, because mm. remember, they won some kind of a prize or a drawing and they got their whole family got paid because they're poor. How can they afford to go take a whole trip to Egypt, right? Right. They won this prize, if you remember, uh, where they were able to go. And what I think happened is that because Sirius escaped earlier in the year, um, Dumbledore didn't want Harry leaving the uh, Privet Drive. He didn't want them. He didn't want Harry leaving the Dursleys because that was Harry's first and most powerful protection. Right, the first and most powerful defense that Harry has against Voldemort and all his followers is living at the Dursleys. Okay. And Harry and Dumbledore set that up a while ago, right? So he knew, okay, this is the best thing we can do for him. He's got to stay here in the summer times. Um, he didn't want Harry to leave, but Harry's been leaving the first movie. Not really the first movie, but in the second movie, he went and stayed with the, the Weasleys. And, you know, he went and stayed with them a lot throughout the books. There could have been a plan to do the same thing this summer, but Dumbledore knew that he would be in danger staying with the Weasleys. So I right. think he set up a thing where he sent the Weasleys off to Egypt and they had to go by themselves and all Makes that. Makes sense. You are in danger. Grave danger. Has this anything to do with Sirius Black, sir? What do you know about Sirius Black, Harry? Only that he's escaped from Azkaban. Do you know why? 13 years ago, when you stopped... Voldemort. Don't say his name. Sorry. When you stopped, you know who. Black lost everything. But to this day, he still remains a faithful servant. And in his mind, you are the only thing that stands in the way of you know who returning to power. And that is why he has escaped from Azkaban. To find you and kill me. Harry, I want you to swear to me that whatever you might hear, you won't go looking for Black. He just pulls him aside and he says that he's in, that Harry's in danger. That um, Sirius Black is a follower of Voldemort and therefore will be after Harry. Yeah, he and said then, Voldemort. Arthur was like, don't say his name. Yeah, don't say his name. <laughs> and then, but I mean, basically he did, Arthur obviously, he probably knows, well, although he might not know. I mean, he know. I'm sure everybody knows the the official story or right. whatever but um i still don't know how much arthur and molly are with dumbledore at right. this point but um you know he t- basically tells him hey you need to be careful don't go anywhere by yourself don't try to do anything don't do what you've been doing the last uh-huh. two years basically 
this guy is not Voldemort, who's like this corporeal spirit floating around. This is a real guy who'll come in and kill you. Right. So they get, but they get on the train to go to Hogwarts, and on the way back, they have to get in with, um, with uh, a teacher. They don't see who it is, but they all sit down, and Harry kind of tells them what what Ron's dad told them, you know. And then uh, they get on. Is it, you're talking about the train, right? Yeah. yeah so they get on the train and. Uh, he was like, Ron was like, I wonder who that is. And he, she was like, it's Professor R.J. Lupin. And he was like, how is it that she knows everything? She knows everything. How is it that she knows everything? <laughs> it's on his suitcase, Ronald. <laughs> no, the, the way she said, it's on his suitcase, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> it's like- Anyways, we see the um, the Dementors come in. Now, do you think that Lupin was asleep, like for real, for real this no. whole time? Or no. do you think he was maybe asleep and then woke up when the train shut off and was just kind of listening to what was going on because he did let harry get sucked a little bit that sounds bad but he did let harry get sucked a little bit before he said oh that's terrible Anyways, he let him get sucked a little bit before he uh, before he well, saved him. Maybe that was just a book thing or a book well, to movie thing. I think, yeah, I just, one thing I thought was crazy was whenever he uh, fought off that Dementor that was um, at Harry, and he just kind of, he just got up and he was like. Yeah, like, like it was almost like it was like a publicity pose or and, something. Yeah, and that's why I think he was awake. Like, if that was me and I had just gotten straight up, I would have, like, passed out or something because of my iron. <laughs> I'd have been, like, expect- worried about their iron deficiency here in a, in a movie about wizards that are shooting spells from their wands and trolls and like, giants. Expect... <laughs> Like, I know there's trolls and giants and all kinds of fixes for things, but I got low iron, okay? <laughs> My iron is the real monster here, <laughs> a real antagonist. Oh, that's oh, funny. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he dispels him, and then Harry passes out. Yeah. And he's given shit for the rest of the movie about him fainting. I don't know. I don't know why. You that's actually a... fainted. You actually fainted. Shut up, Malfoy. <laughs> So basically, and you'll see this when he wakes up. Lupin's there. They talk to him, and Lupin gives him some chocolate. Mm-hmm. Why does he give him chocolate? To make him feel better. Why? And uh, should I bring up the whole controversy? Yes, thing? because J.K. Rowling intended for the Dementors to represent something. Uh, depression is what it was supposed to represent, yeah. um, because you can see that. And you figure out that they suck out all the happy memories that you have and you're left with your deepest, like, like your darkest memories. And, um, you know, they just, they get rid of all your happiness and that piece of chocolate is supposed like to. Lup- like Lupin explained it and how Ron mm-hmm. was like, I suck all happiness went away and I'd exactly. never be happy again. And uh, that piece of chocolate is supposed to represent, you know, when you're in your depression stage, you know, you eat that chocolate and you feel all better. And Exactly. Um. And know. based on her own experiences, whenever she'd get sad, depressed, she dealt with severe depression. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always make her feel better is eating chocolate, yep. you know. And that's, I think a lot of people are like that. And I think it does have some certain prop- properties that... that you I know. think that was a really cool kind of symbolic kind of idea yeah. behind and that. And every time he's attacked, you know, Lupin's like, here, have some chocolate. It really, really helps. Yeah, it'll help you feel better. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, you know, kind of a insight to to JK's mind as mm-hmm. well. Um, we find out that Lupin has been hired 
to teach defense against the dark arts. So obviously, poor Gilderoy never uh-huh. got over it. He's yeah. still in uh, St. Mungo's and everything. So. And you see, uh, they finally they congratulate Lupin for being a teacher, and it zooms in. But Sirius is to his left, and no, he's just, Snape. Uh, oh my God, yeah, Snape! Yeah. <laughs> I wrote Sirius on my. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're both your top two. I mean, it's so you got to interchange. The S's that they got the dark up. hair. It's long hair. They're both dark. It's easy to get them. Yeah. They both start with S. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You just see Snape clapping twice. He's just like, yeah, he, he looks this. so pissed. He's like, mm. um, Dumbledore even makes the quote. But you know, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. If one only remembers to turn on the light. And I think that that quote is an, allu- uh, is an allusion to the Patronus charm, you know. An illusion? Yeah, not an illusion, but an allusion. Oh. A, a, it gotcha. alludes yeah. to the gotcha. fact that we're going to see yeah. a Patronus charm um, to be taught as the Dementors are guaranteed to go to Voldemort's side if he should return. Yes, and I'd right? love to have a decal of that all around my light bulb, or around my uh, light switch. I think Expecto that'd be Patronum? No, the, that quote that Dumbledore said. Oh, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times when one only remembers to turn on the light. And yes. what do you do when you do a Patronus charm? You, you shoot that light, light uh-huh. you know, and everything. So you're turning on the light and happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. So the, the mentors bring the dark, darkness of time. The way to fight that is the Patronus charm, which uses happy memories. Right. And, and I so. don't think we mentioned this, but when Harry passed out, he heard a scream. He did hear a scream in the in the train. And we find out later that it's his mother's his, his mother's mother scream. scream. It's it, he didn't know, but he still had that in his memory. His mother mm-hmm. screaming when she died. Uh, protecting him, which is sad. And Hermione was like, Harry, no one was screaming. You idiot. No. <laughs> <laughs> you psychotic person. Yeah, uh-huh. um, okay, so uh, basically we have another we have another new teacher there. His name is Rubius Hagrid. Yep, a he, blob, yep, a blob. Yep, very yeah, good Gotta job. Love it. Good job, Hagrid. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I think that, you know, he's always been gamekeeper, but he was actually giving a teaching position now because he was cleared of those charges of the chamber. Remember, mm-hmm. they proved in the last movie that it wasn't ha- and uh, wasn't Hagrid, and he finally got you know his name cleared. So now he's the uh, teacher of the uh, care of magical teachers creature uh, teacher. And he stands up and knocks the whole table over, and everyone gets pissed yeah. off at him. <laughs> it's so funny, but you know they uh, are. Oh, that's right. We're we're still in. Um, we're still in their first class, which is uh, divination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go to divination, and um, nothing's crazy important here. But the th- one thing that I did notice is that why didn't Hermione time Turner to the beginning of the class instead of the middle to avoid suspicion? She's always popping up right in the middle of the class. Why are you not time turnering to the first? <laughs> Nobody, nobody says you have to go right in the middle of the class. Why doesn't she travel to... Because well, then you miss stuff. The beginning of class. Like when everybody's all in, she she time turners to the... Time the, turners. Whatever, to the, and then goes to the the uh, the entrance of the classroom and then just walks in with everybody else. That's fair. She's I would, making it super suspicious I by coming into the I would do it like before class. anyone had walked in the classroom just so that I'm already there when no one is in there and then yeah. they all walk in. And, and not like, only I've that. I've been here this whole time. <laughs> Uh-huh, I've just been hiding mm-hmm. under these cool I got a, sheets. I got out of class early. So, on the train, when the Dementors attack Harry, why do they attack Harry? They're not supposed to do that. Uh, well, I know why. Should I say it? Why? Because uh, Ron's rat is on there. Uh, why would that? Why would they attack Harry? 
just because Ron's rat. I mean, first of all, they don't know that Peter Pettigrew is bad, right? That's fair. You Ever, don't think they could, like, sniff him out? I mean, maybe, but why wouldn't they attack the rat instead of Harry? <laughs> I have got no clue because... I don't know. <laughs> so my theory is is that Harry's gone through so much horrible, traumatic things in his life. Ooh, they smell the, the goodness of the trauma. Yeah, that they can't help but eat at it. You know, because that's basically what Dementors do is they find those <laughs> horrible memories and they eat at them. Mm-hmm. And the only way to... Stop, and basically that is what kills you slowly. Right. <clears throat> and um, the only way to combat that is the good memories and everything. But I think that... Harry's had just so much bad happen to him, and they didn't sense a lot of good memories in him that maybe they thought that he, they just couldn't resist, gotcha. that, that that Dementor couldn't resist or whatever. Right. But I'm not sure. It might be explained in the book. Maybe. Um, I, I feel like it has to do with something like that, though. Okay, maybe. Um, yeah. Because I, I, the first thing that I thought of, like, why would they come to their train cart specifically? And it might be a mix of both. Maybe they sniffed out Peter Pettigrew in the rat or it could be they smelled the trauma (laughs) well and i think they probably the ministry probably asked dumbledore like because they asked dumbledore everything you know he should be the minister of magic or whatever because they basically the the minister cordialis fudge basically asked dumbledore questions about everything right and he he has a little bit of knowledge with sirius and voldemort and everything so they probably hey we're or either that either they asked him or dumbledore went straight to him and said you need to make sure that the the uh, train. You need to make sure that the um, the train is watched, that Harry's house is watched, and that uh, you know the school is watched. We got to we have to shut down the school because he's going to try to come back to the school, right? Right. That's what I thought. That Good was thought. yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I don't know. I just feel like he's just got so much horrible things that happened in his life right. that they were just drawn to him that way. Possibly. Yeah. So I didn't think about that. Um. Um, anyways, he cuts to basically their first class with uh, with Hagrid, right? Mm-hmm. And he's doing a great job. He's teaching them about Buckbeak, the hippogriff, which is like an eagle slash lion slash horse, horse type thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Harry does a pretty good job. And then, of course, Malfoy has to get in there with his little, oh, the, you know, this thing isn't dangerous and everything. Yeah, he gets hurt. Yeah, he's to be an idiot. Right. And then he's all dramatic. He's very dramatic about it. Oh, he killed me. He killed, <laughs> he killed me. me. It killed me. <laughs> to my father hears about this yeah that was pretty funny so um anyways they 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 have to deal with that and uh and and what we don't know is that because he told his father lucius behind the scenes is trying to have uh buckbeat killed now right um so uh they return to gryffindor tower and they find that the fat lady's portrait has been is empty and it's been attacked because there's some slashes across it Mm -hmm. so she's hiding another painting they find her and she actually warns dumbledore that Sirius Black has now entered the castle. Mm-hmm. He's here in the castle. And what is the first thing they do? What do you? They freak out. They lock Sirius Black yeah. into the castle. Yeah, they lock all the doors. You hear the <laughs> she literally <laughs> just said he's in the cla- in the castle. Like, lock the doors. Dumbledore's like, oh, I know what to make this even worse. Lock <laughs> we need it. to we need to lock the kids in with the murderer. Mm-hmm. Not send everybody home like you should have done last movie when the chamber was open. You know, not send everybody home like this movie when notorious mass murderer right. has broken into the castle now. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, the the, the, the defenses in, at Hogwarts kind of suck. People keep, uh, anyways. But so they they lock everybody in, and that's that's kind of what I want to get to here. 
is we hear a howling as everything's being locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first we just think, oh, it's just for the environment and the eeriness. Yeah, the eeriness of it, the creepiness of it. But there's actually something to that. Oh. Uh-huh. And later on we hear Snape has taken over the Defense Against the Dark Arts class and makes them learn about werewolves. Now, he's this is a little petty of Snape. Uh-huh. He's doing this on purpose. Because he wants to expo- expose Lupin, mm-hmm. right? He hated all of them. We're not supposed to learn about werewolves for a while now or something like that. Yeah, along something those lines. like that. Yeah, so Hermione's like, werewolves? Oh, no, no, Ron says werewolves. No, Hermione was the one that said werewolves. And then Ron's just the one that's no, just not paying attention. Yeah, he's not paying attention. And then Snape quickly flips it to that and Ron goes, werewolves? Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I think they both said it. Yeah, I think so. I and think the, she said it first, and then he finally snapped back to reality. <gasps> werewolves? <laughs> it's like, come on, buddy, pay attention. Yeah, so basically we there's a werewolf around and everything. And that's when we get introduced to the infamous quote, the 10 to page 394. 10 to page 394. So I have a question here. Okay. Um... We'll go ahead and let this out right now just so we can talk about it. But Sirius Black and Remus Lupin, the one who's been hired, they used to be friends. Mm -hmm. So just saying that much, do you think that Dumbledore, and this might have been in the book, like I said, I can't remember this specific part, but do you think Dumbledore hired Lupin because Sirius escaped? Or was it just a random coincidence that he had Lupin in mind to teach this year and then Sirius happened to escape? I don't think that can be a coincidence like that i don't think that he knew that he was going to escape just because but remember he escaped at the beginning towards the beginning of the summer when they were on their egypt trip and so he's had the rest of the summer to find a teacher for defense against the dark so he hired him after sirius had escaped that's what i think because all we know is is he was on the train and dumbledore announced it in the great hall right right we don't know when he hired him or anything like that, but based on from what I've read and seen in the movie and the books, um, Sirius actually escaped more towards the, at least the middle, if not the beginning of the summer, like right after he saw them go to their Egypt trip. <clears throat> so did he see that? I, I think the only thing that makes sense is that he, Dumbledore saw that Sirius escaped and that therefore he knows what Sirius did or he thinks he knows what he did. Harry's going to need extra protection. And Harry's probably going to... He probably wanted to keep Harry's parents' past from Harry for now Mm -hmm. until he was a little bit older. But maybe he's thinking, you know what? We need to get through this right now because Sirius is coming. And Harry needs to understand. So maybe I bring Remus in. He can kind of help me keep Harry safe. Okay. And, you know, he had that little bit of history of Sirius, too. So it's good to keep Sirius around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I have no opinions on that. I no mean, opinions? I mean, I agree with you. I think that he um, did. I mean, it would make sense, right? Like, why would Lupin be hired and Sirius Black escapes in the same time frame? Yeah. It's a little sus. A little weird. Um, so uh, they, they have a Quidditch match. Uh, a bunch of Dementors kind of attack Harry, and he falls off his broomstick. Uh, when he wakes up, he finds out that the Whomping Willow destroyed his broomstick. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and learn how to fight the Dementor. So. Yeah. And before all of the, before all this with the, uh, before. The Quidditch match. No, before Snape taught the Defense Against the Dark Arts uh, class, we actually Snape. had. Did I say something? You mean Lupin? No, no. I mean Snape. Before, oh, oh the, the the werewolf. Yeah. One. Before yeah, gotcha. that. uh 
Lupin had taught the taught in the class about boggarts. Oh, boggarts. That's mm-hmm. correct. Uh, was that, was that yeah. this time or was that afterwards? That I guess was, it was that. I yeah, guess it was before. That was before he had come into come into play. All right. So we learn about <clears throat> boggarts. That's correct. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very good. A little louder. Very clear. Listen. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. This class is ridiculous. Very good. They have to use the spell ridiculous to turn boggart, uh, turn the boggart who has turned into your worst fear into something silly. So it's a way to, like this whole book is talking about all of J.K. Rowling's mainly, but it could be anybody's experience with depression, anxiety, different things, because you have the Dementors, which represent depression, right? Mm-hmm. You have the Boggarts, which represent probably your anxieties, because these turn Just into what your you greatest out, fear like, oh, is. Oh, God. Exactly. So what's my greatest fear? And then you have to turn it into something funny, Right. So that you can live with it better so that you can fight it or, you know, overcome it or whatever. And the same thing with depression. You know, you just have to kind of deal with it and eat chocolate and and your good memories help to make it go away. Right. So this is all about overcoming depression and your insecurities and everything. That's like the literary, I think, um, metaphor that this is going for. But um, obviously uh, uh, Lupin thought that. Harry's was going to be Voldemort and it actually turned into a Dementor, which tells Lupin that what Harry fears the most is fear itself, which he says is very smart and everything. So, And when Lupin stands in front, um, he says ridiculous and it turned into the moon. Well, first he... Oh, first it was... Yeah, yeah. first he, he goes, no, and he jumped in front of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did it because he thought it was a real Dementor, but I guess that they could really hurt them. Maybe. Yeah. So that's why he did And then suddenly, and in the book, there's like, well, I wonder why Lupin is scared of a crystal ball. Because they just see a round orb. Oh. <clears throat> they don't yeah. realize it's the moon and gotcha. everything. So obviously, if we've been talking about werewolves now, we just said that his biggest fear is the moon. Yeah, you could probably you could figure see out the moon where we're going. and the clouds with it. So, <clears throat> so, um, so during a, uh, a stormy, like I said, uh, a Quidditch match, he gets knocked off and he just decides, okay, and, you know, Dumbledore has to save him during that point. Uh, with a resto de- uh, momentum and has the the Dementors after that stay outside the, the ground, not come near the castle or the field or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you, got, you guys can be back by the Forbidden Forest. Um, so uh, he, he needs to learn how to fight the, men- the, the Dementors, and he talks to Lupin about it, and Lupin's like, look, I'll teach you, but not right now because I'm not feeling too well. Let me get past the holidays. And uh, during that talk, he has a talk about his mother and his uh, father. And uh, Lupin lets him know, basically, yeah, I knew them. Your mother was just the most caring person I've ever met, and even for people that didn't deserve it. And I think he was kind of meaning himself because he sees himself as a monster. But I think he was kind of meaning towards James, too, because James didn't deserve any of that because James was kind of a dick. Yeah. So... uh, so anyways, they kind of have, and you got a sense that he has a little bit of information on his parents. And, you know, he does the whole, um, you know, I knew it was you because of your eyes. You have your mother's eyes and, you know, something that Harry always hears. So uh, using the map, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Um, so basically then there's a trip to Hogsmeade and all the other kids are going and it seems kind of weird that they just locked down the castle and then suddenly we're doing Hogsmeade, Hogsmeade trips. Hogsmeade, yep. Okay, let's let everybody go out in public. Exactly. And leave Harry by himself in the castle. Yeah, good idea. That makes sense, yeah. To where the Sirius is supposed to be, he's already in the castle, so. Um, 
So anyways, they go to Hogsmeade, and Harry tries to sneak uh, sneak out to Hogsmeade, and he's caught by the twins who see him walking through the snow, and they drag him back. And they give him one of the most powerful magical objects that we have in this series. What is it? Marauder's Map. He gives him the Marauder's Map. Um, so what this does is it basically shows the entire grounds of Hogwarts, and it shows where everybody is in it, and um, shows him all the different different secret passages and for some reason they decide to give it to harry and part with it <laughs> why you th- do you think like they gave it to him i don't know you know i think that uh i mean obviously they stole it from filch's office and filch took it from the original marauders mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i don't know why they gave it to him because it seems like they would need it for all their mischievous things. Right. Now, maybe they only wanted to know it for all the secret passages, and now that they know them all, they don't need it anymore. But you would want to maybe see where everybody is. Yeah. But I think they just saw that Harry, they even said it in the movie, like, honestly, we see that you need it more. And, you know, they probably felt bad for him. Like, look, this dude can never go here. His, you know, people, like, look up to him and think he has a great life, but he actually has a miserable life. Right. And so let's try to help him out here. Let's give him this little thing. This will help out. We're going to be done with school soon anyways. We've had fun with it. Let's give it to Harry. Um, But at the front of it, he says, like, this map will change your life. Basically, to read it, you have to say, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. And then to make, and then the map appears, and you can see all the places in Hogwarts and all the people walking around. And to hide it, you say mischief managed. And whenever at first, uh, whenever they say, "I solemnly swear I'm up to no good," it presents um, the Mortar's map by Mooney, Wormtail, Patfoot, and Prongs. So we're kind of like, mm, yeah, Messrs. Uh, I mean, Mr. Mooney, Mr. Wormtail, Mr. Padfoot, and Mr. Prongs. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out who these people are. Um, so he escapes into Hogsmeade and he kind of meets up with Ron and Hermione and you know messes with Draco a bit and everything they run away screaming like they always do Mm -hmm. and it's not the first time this movie they're going to do that nope and (laughs) so anyways he uh they go back into town but and he's just like out there in front of everybody he's doesn't have a visibility cloak he's just standing there with Ron and Hermione everybody can see him everybody knows that Harry's not supposed to be there but I guess everybody's a G because nobody says anything. Exactly. So anyways, uh, he hears, overhears, uh, Madam, what's her name? Uh, Madam Mosmarta or something Mosmerta like that. Mosmarta or like whatever. That. Whoever Ron, Ron fancies. Yeah. I do not. <laughs> Him, uh, and then uh, Cornelius Fudge, who's the Minister of Magic, and uh, McGonagall. They start talking about Sirius Black is missing and Dementors are trying to find him because he's after Harry Potter and she's like, why? Well, now years ago when Harry Potter's parents realized they were marked for death, do you remember? They went into hiding. Mm-hmm. Few knew where they were. One who did was Sirius Black. And he told you knew who. Not only did Black lead you know who to the Potters that night, but he also killed one of their friends, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Peter, Peter Pettigrew? Yes, little lump of a boy. Always trailing after Sirius. Uh, back then, there was somebody that was leaking information to Voldemort. Somebody within the order. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know who it was. Sirius Black suspected Lupin. And Lupin suspected Sirius. They were very distrustful towards each other. Well, Peter Pettigrew tried to warn the Potters and might have managed to had he not run into an old friend, mm-hmm. Sirius Black. Black was vicious. He didn't kill Pettigrew. He destroyed him. Mm-hmm. A finger. That all was left, a finger. Nothing else. 
Yes. Silius Black may not have put his hands to the potters, but he's the reason they're dead. And now he wants to finish what he started. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it. Oh, that's not the worst of it. No. What could be worse? Best. Sirius Black was and remains to this day. Harry Potter's godfather. So the, all they found with uh, Peter was a finger and um, and Sirius was found laughing at the scene, laughing hysterically. And they don't know. Well, obviously, that's so guilty looking. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, um, so after the holidays, Lupin privately teaches Harry how to do a Patronus uh, charm. And he does pretty. He finally finds a memory that's good enough. Gets it on the second try. Yeah, the first time he tried it, it was the first time he wrote a broom, which wasn't good enough. But the second time, I think it was like the the feeling he had with his parents. It yeah. wasn't a true memory, but it was a feeling big enough for that. Um, so there's one divination class that uh, that happens where uh, you know Hermione's insulted and she knocks a, a crystal ball off or whatever. Anyways, it rolls down the stair. Harry grabs it and takes it back up to the class after class. There's nobody in the class, but then Trelawney grabs him and says that he will return tonight. Sorry. Tonight, he'll betray his friends whose heart with murder shall break free. Innocent blood shall be spilt, and servant and master shall be reunited once more. And before all that, uh, we find out that Scabbers is missing, and also that Hagrid told them that Buckbeak was sentenced for death. Right, and uh, Scabbers is Ron's rat, and he's been missing because the whole movie Crookshanks, which is Hermione's cat, has been chasing after Ron's rat, and so he keeps thinking that Crookshanks ate it, and keeps uh, that's basically what their whole butting heads about is about in this movie is Crookshanks versus Scabbers, <laughs> the rat. Yeah. Um. So to support Hagrid, because Buckbeak's going to be executed, uh, they uh, they go down to you know talk with with. Hagrid and they leave right before the minister gets there and Dumbledore and all that um, and they go and hide outside and you know run back up to where the castle is and watch the executioner bring down his axe and we get a great scene of Hermione punching Mountfoy in the face oh that was that was awesome yeah because yeah. they wanted to just see Buckbeak behead, be beheaded yeah. you you foul loathsome evil little cockroach and saw him ostensibly get beheaded um, they saw the, the axe. The axe fall and everything. Mm -hmm. It's not what really happens, but we'll get more into that in a sec. Um, they, uh, Scabbers bites Ron and runs away, and they chase after him, and he finally catches Scabbers, but then behind Har Harry and Hermione is, is Sirius Black as the dog. Or, no, that's the Grim, really. The, it's the Grim. Yeah, so they find <laughs> this black dog, the same black dog that Harry saw at the beginning at the bus stop is mm -hmm. now here in Hogwarts. And he goes after Ron, grabs Ron by the ankle and drags him down into the tree. Uh, Harry and Hermione eventually follow. They get into the shrieking shack. And uh, that's when they're like, what happened? And Ron's like, it's it's not the Grim. The dog is him. He's an animagus. Exactly. So it switches over and you look at and you see that it's Sirius Black. So Sirius is the dog. And Ron says he's an animagus. Now, what animagus are in Harry Potter are witches or wizards that could turn into animals, like McGonagall. She's one because she can turn into a cat. <coughs> it takes a lot. Uh, it takes a very talented witch or wizard to do it. It's very hard to do it, to learn how to do it and everything. And it takes sometimes it takes years. Um, 
And Sirius Black is is a dog, a black shaggy dog or whatever. Um, so they they come in and Lupin comes in, and then you find out that Lupin's kind of cool with Sirius, and you're like, okay, gives well, him that's a hug. weird. Mm-hmm. Gives him a hug. Snape comes in and disarms Lupin, or disarms Sirius, disarms Sirius because Lupin gave Sirius his wand. But they're like, look, Harry has the right to know, and they're like, no, what? And so Harry knows that they have something a secret to tell him. So instead of following Snape, he disarms Snape. Well, that's what he should have done, but he actually knocks Snape out, and he's like, finish what you were saying. Enough talk, Remus. Come on, let's kill him. Wait. I did my waiting. Twelve years of it. In Azkaban. Very well. Kill him. But wait one more minute. Harry has the right to know why. I know why. You betrayed my parents. You're the reason they're dead. No, Harry, it wasn't him. Somebody did betray your parents, but it was somebody who, until quite recently, I believed to be dead. Who was it then? Peter Pettigrew. And he's in this room, right now. Come on, come on, Peter! So the whole time, Scabbers that we've seen in the last few movies has been Peter Pettigrew the whole time. And so what we find out that happened is, one... The Marauders, Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, they were all best friends in school. Um, And Mr. Mooney is who? Mr. Mooney is Lupin. That's right. And Mr. Wormtail is who? Peter Pettigrew. Mr. Padfoot. That's serious. And Mr. Prongs. It's James Potter. James Lupin. So... James when they, Lupin. Uh, James Lupin. <laughs> James Potter. When, 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 they, when they were in school, they were known as the Marauders. They called themselves the Marauders. They like to sneak out and do fun stuff. So, uh, what? Yeah, and this is more explained in the book, and I'm, I'm really upset they don't explain it more in the movies. Me too. But basically what happened was that when, re- when Lupin was really young, he got bit by a werewolf because of some of his dad's uh, political leanings and stuff. And he got turned into a werewolf. And when he went to school, Dumbledore gave him the opportunity to come to school and learn while still, you know, having to deal with his uh, lycanthropy. Right. Which is another way of saying his werewolfness. Mm -hmm. Um, So he basically had the Whomping Willow planted and installed in the school expressly for Lupin. So that Lupin had a way to get into the, uh, and, and because under the um, under the Whomping Willow is a is the tunnel to the Shrieking Shack, which is how they all got there, and um, so Dumbledore did that expressly for Lupin. Uh, when he became friends with James and Sirius, and eventually Peter, <clears throat> they all decided they wanted to help him. So they spent years trying to figure out how to become Animagus, and they did it, and they did it unregistered. Because if you're an Animagus, you have to register that you're an Animagus, meaning the, the, the government needs to know that you can turn into animals. So nobody knew that Peter, James, and Sirius could all turn into animals. That's probably how Sirius escaped Azkaban. Exactly. So Lupin did it, but he had no control over it. He turned into a werewolf. James would turn into what they call a stag in England, which is a buck to us, you know, a deer with antlers. Um, uh James turned, or I mean, sorry, Sirius turned into a dog. Wormtail turned into a rat. Um, the rat helped them get into the tree because it's different in the books. But basically, those are all the animals that they turned into. And when, um, uh, when, sorry, I'm You're going fine. through this in my head. No, you're fine. So when, 
when they all decided to become Animagus, you know, um, James and Sirius were big enough that they could control him as a werewolf. Mm -hmm. And werewolves don't really care much about animals. They more are after, like, humans. Right. And so they were able to, like, just go run with him. And, you know, and to control and make sure that he didn't go near any humans in Hogsmeade or anybody that might have been out on the grounds or whatever. Right. So they were really helping him to, to do all that. <clears throat> and um, when they all got out of school, um, what what happened was that Wormtail, he was always like this cowardly, scared boy. And he just went along with those two, those that group because they would protect him right like they were the most popular and powerful so they would protect him so he just went along with everything because he's a little weasley kid and when he became an adult he became a weasley kid uh, a weasley guy an adult uh, an adult weasley person not that weasley. not the weasleys yeah but he uh he saw that voldemort was going to take over was going to be more powerful than anybody so he decided to do what he always does and go with whoever has more power that can protect him so the leak was never lo uh, Lupin. It was never serious. It was Peter Pettigrew the whole time. He was the leak. And what a lot of people, including Dumbledore, didn't know is at the very last minute when, when James and Lily were about to make Sirius their secret keeper, at the last minute, Sirius goes, wait a minute. Nobody would suspect Peter as being the, the secret leaker. keeper. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they might torture or whatever, find out, but nobody is going to suspect Peter because they figure Peter was so loyal because he was so scared that there was no way he would turn up against anybody. But he was that afraid of Voldemort that he decided to turn on his friends and go his way. So, um, but they no, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that he was the one leaking all the information. And so at that moment, Peter's like, oh, I'm, this is a big, this will get me in good with Voldemort. Right. So he went and told Voldemort where James and Lynn, he got them killed. Um, Sirius found out, and after he gave Hagrid his motorbike, he went after Peter and found him in town square. I think this was in um, Godric's Hollow. But he found him somewhere in town, and as he was confronting him, Peter, behind his back, sent out some kind of explosion and killed 13 people, cut off his own finger and turned into a rat and went into the sewers. Sirius can't turn into anything close to follow that, and so... All he left behind was a finger and killed all these people, and, and Sirius was the only one left there. So he just started laughing because he's like, this little pathetic person that we've been protecting all this time just got one over on me. Yeah. He outsmarted me. Mm -hmm. And I'm screwed now. <laughs> you know, and I have nobody left. So, I mean, like, all he did, all he could do was laugh. Yeah, he was And like, that's why they shoot. when they came and carried him away laughing. Um, but anyway, so that's what happened. Um Sirius got put into Azkaban, mm -hmm. and um, while he was there, the reason, uh, because when you're put there, you're slowly over time, you're, you go insane, because mm -hmm. the, the, the mentors are pulling everything from you. You know, they're, they're, pulling, they're sucking your soul, they're pulling every happy memory from you, you eventually go insane. What Sirius found is that Dementors either can't detect animals or just don't care about them right so he would turn into a dog on a regular basis and they could never find him even though he was in his cell they could never find Sirius to torment him to suck his soul out to do any of that kind of stuff so he kind of just chilled in prison he didn't he couldn't get out or anything 
But then once he saw Cornelius Fudge came and visited towards the beginning of the summer or whatever, and he left a newspaper, Sirius read the newspaper and saw the Weasleys in Egypt. And again, he saw Ron holding scabbers. I don't know why they'd bring the rat to Egypt or whatever, but um, he saw Ron holding scabbers. And scabbers is missing a toe, mm-hmm. right? And so immediately Sirius goes, okay. There's there's Wormtail. I know that rat from anywhere. Uh-huh. I've run for years all around Hogsmeade and Hogwarts with that rat. I know this rat, and look, it's missing a toe. So he decides I need to escape. So what he does is he starves himself for like a month or so to where he gets real skinny. And so then when he turns into a dog, he just fits right through the bars as a dog, and he just trotted right out of Azkaban just like that. That's how easy it was for him to escape because they didn't know he was there. And the ministry didn't know because, remember, they were unregistered. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew. Even Dumbledore didn't know that James, Sirius, and Peter Pettigrew had all become animals. Right. Because, you know, he knew the relationship between James and Sirius. He knows that they wouldn't have hurt each other or whatever, but he was left to be like, I guess that's what happened. You know, the, 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 the black or the Lestrange and Sirius finally took over and he became an evil person or whatever. So. Right. Tell me about Peter Pettigrew. He was at school with us. We thought he was our friend. No. Pettigrew's dead. You killed him. No, he didn't. I thought so too until you mentioned seeing Pettigrew on the map. The map was lying the then. The map never lies. Pettigrew's alive. And he's right there. Remus? Sirius? My old friend! (laughs) Harry, look at you! You look so much like your father, like James. We were the best of friends, you know. How dare you speak to Harry? How dare you talk about James in front of him? You sold James and Lily to Voldemort, didn't you? I didn't mean to! Lord, I have no idea the weapons he possesses. You're such a furious. What would you have done? What would you have done? I would have died! I would have died rather than betray my friends! You should have realised, Peter, that if Voldemort didn't kill you, then we would. Together! No! Hey, this man... I know what he is, but we'll take him to the castle. After that, the Dementors can have you. <laughs> they get out of the tree, Harry and, uh, or they get out of the shack. Harry and Sirius decide that they are probably going to live together. And, uh, and Harry's so excited. And then, of course, the moon happens. Happened Lupin turns. It. Lupin turns into a werewolf. Jeez, this is so long. I know. Lupin turns into a werewolf, and uh, we're off on this adventure. Um, basically, uh, Snape comes out, and I thought that was pretty cool because. Mm-hmm. I think the director asked what Snape could do in this moment, and Alan Rickman told him it was all right if he stood in front of the kids. Yeah. And I think that right there for most fans saw that, and if they knew that like J.K. Rowling was involved in the movies and approved that, or Alan Rickman approved that, or whatever, then at that point they would have been like, okay, Snape's got to be good, because yeah. he's like standing in front of these kids protecting them. Even though her, or Harry... You know, shot yeah. him off into that Harry's, bed behind him. Uh, Harry just knocked him out, but he's still standing in front of Harry trying to protect him from yep. the werewolf. So another thing that we that the book goes into that we don't find out about, and I'm not sure if it's this one or Order of the Phoenix. I'm pretty sure it's this one. But um, when they were younger, um, they used to bully Snape a lot. And um, Sirius went a little too far one time. And basically, 
gave Severus enough, or Snape enough information to go looking basically to run right into uh, Lupin as he was turning into a werewolf in the Shrieking Shack. And when James found out that Sirius did that, he quickly went out there and saved Snape from Lupin as the werewolf, saved his life, which is one of the, probably one of the main reasons that that Snape hates James so much is because he wouldn't want somebody like James saving his life. He's got something on him now. Yeah, exactly. So, And that really started to be what changed James into start being a better person because they almost got Snape killed. Even though they don't like the guy, they almost got him killed. You know, so, um, anyways, the, uh, the, uh, the, where are Sirius tries to hold him back as the dog and, um, Harry goes after to try to help, uh, Sirius kind of gets tore up and the werewolf runs up, uh, runs away and Harry finds Sirius on the ground by the riverbed and tries to help him. But suddenly they're swarmed by Dementors. There's just tons of them everywhere. They found him. Yeah. And Sirius, or Harry tries to use the Patronus charm, but it's just not strong enough. And he starts getting weaker and weaker, and he starts fading. And uh, basically, he's about to pass out when suddenly he sees this stag, this lit, uh, lit up stag or buck or whatever you want to call it from uh, across the riverbed. And it's it's the bright Patronus, right? And suddenly the Patronus explosion happens, and all the Dementors fly away. It's a huge, huge, powerful spell. And Harry passes out, and he wakes up in the hospital room. And basically, they said that um, Snape, Hermione said, heard <clears throat> Snape tell Dumbledore, whoever cast that Patronus was very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so Harry goes, that's my dad. Because he saw, like, a kind of him, and it looked a lot like the the guy in the pictures that he's right. seen of his dad and everything. So he's like, that's got to be my dad. Mm-hmm. So what we don't know is Dumbledore still trying to... Now, Dumbledore finally comes in and starts trying to, you know pull some of this into his plan he's like okay we need Sirius and you know Buckbeak alive um, I don't know why he put so much on the line for Buckbeak but you know at least Sirius is on the line here but you know they wouldn't have been able to get Sirius out of that tower exactly so basically he tells um, Hermione and Harry to time travel back and go fix these fix certain things and so Harry and Ron both find out that Hermione actually has this thing called a time turner that would probably fix all the problems in the entire Harry Potter universe, but that's beside the point. Right. Um, and and Harry and, uh, because Ron's injured from the dog bite, Harry and Hermione go back in time by themselves and they kind of relive everything that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they go back in time, the first thing they do is go to Buckbeaks like they did before. Um, but before that, before the executioner can kill Buckbeak and the, you know, the past trio doesn't see this happen because there's trees in the way or whatever, but the future Hermione and Harry free Buckbeak and, you know, free him into the forest or whatever. Then they go and they wait for them to come out of the tree so they can help Sirius. And, uh, but then they go and they see Harry and Sirius being attacked and he's like, just wait, my father's going to come. And Hermione's like, nobody's coming. You're dying, Harry. And that's when Harry goes, and so he steps up and I think in that moment he realizes what he did. Yeah. And he, you know, it's a famous one. Expecto Patronum! So he did that and it was a powerful one and I think what it was is it was, uh, I think it said in the book, but in the movie it was just like, I think it was um, 
the happiness he felt of Sirius because it was like a friend or like a, it was kind of like a father figure, somebody More family. that family. Yeah, it's it's like his it's the closest thing he has to family. You know, the Dursleys be damned, but yeah, I was always wondering like how did Harry create such a powerful Patronum in that moment? But it's probably what you were saying. Yeah, and so. I want to say that they addressed it in the book. I can't remember though, but I'm assuming it's it's because. When they came out of that tree and started talking for the first time, Harry felt like he could have not a normal life, but he could be with somebody that he really, he didn't have to go back to that crappy house every summer. Yeah, exactly. He knew somebody that was basically a brother to his friend, uh, his father mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and knew his mother and he'd start to get more answers and it start to feel like a family because that was originally supposed to be part of his family you know, right serious was it's like uncle serious or whatever mm-hmm. but i think that that gave him so much and you know obviously he has his friends and everything but i think that's that was part that showed how much love he automatically had for serious knowing what serious meant to james right so so after they he saved himself uh they go back and find buckbeak they ride him to the tower break serious out right uh, bombarda yeah you using bombarda maxima mm-hmm. um or was it just a bombarda? It was just a bombarda. Okay. And uh, then they set Sirius free, and he tells Harry basically, like, I'll always be here for you. And he tells Hermione, you're the smartest witch of your age, that type of thing. And then uh, he takes off, and uh, the movie credits roll. No, yeah, that's it. No, <laughs> no, he takes off, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of resolved at the end, I guess. Yeah. Um, and but they can't prove his innocence because in all the kerfuffle of everything that was going on between Lupin turning into a werewolf and all that, Peter Pettigrew took advantage of the situation, picked up Lupin's wand, and turned himself back into a rat. And so he took off, and he's probably going to go and try to find Voldemort again. Probably, yeah. I just I love how uh, they returned back to where their original place was they go to the hospital Uh uh-huh and uh you see dumbledore closing the doors talking to them their past so yeah exactly um and he they were like we did it and he was like did what good night (laughs) just just like like, acting like you like dude you're not doing a very good job of acting like you're not any part of this but i'd say i would say that this story is is the story that he's he has the least amount of effect or at least effect on. Right. Because in every other story, you can tell he's kind of uh, messing with events and making sure they go one way or another. This one, I think he was just trying to adapt to what happened or yeah. with Sirius escaping. And, you know, Dumbledore didn't know any of this. And I think in the book, it shows how Dumbledore had explained to, or I mean, Sirius had explained to Dumbledore that they were animagus, which is something that I think Lupin would have told Dumbledore. Like, hey, by the way, just to let you know, uh, Peter, Hare, uh, Peter, James, and Sirius were all animagus. So um, if you see a dog, that could be also be Sirius Black. Right. <laughs> and that would help to explain then all the other different things, you know? Right. So. And then there's the funny Ron moment whenever they walk back in after they just You're disappear. here. Now you're there. What happened? What is going on? <laughs> He's so, so funny. Confused. I love Ron. Right. Me too. Um, so anyways, basically Lupin has been exposed as a werewolf because Snape told everybody Snape, Snape got that, um, let that bit of information out because, you know, he's still a little salty. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, even though he's supposed to be listening to Dumbledore, he went ahead and let that inf- a bit of information out. So Lupin go ahead and resigns from teaching. So people don't get mad at 
Dumbledore for letting a werewolf teach their kids. And since he's uh, no longer a teacher, he said he didn't feel any guilt returning the Mortar's map. And I remember in the book, it was both the Mortar's map and the invisibility cloak. And one other thing that I thought was really, it was, it was kind of cool, because in the book, it was, uh, it was Dumbledore saying, you saved a innocent man from a terrible fate. But in the movie, it was Lupin saying that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I th- so I thought that was kind of cool. It was like exact same phrase, like no added words, no, like they didn't cut any words out. Like it was word for word, but it was just a different person saying it, which what I thought was neat. So It's cool that it came from uh, from Lupin this time because yeah. we know Dumbledore's good, but it gives that extra bit to show exactly. that, that Lupin's a good person and all mm-hmm. that. Um, it was cool to see him say mischief managed too, because it shows that like he knows exactly what to do yep. with that map. And, uh, you know, the map still doesn't have chamber of secrets. It doesn't have the room requirement because those are things that those four never had to deal with, never yeah. found. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it only, it's not like it shows everything. It only shows what they explored, everything on there. It gotcha. shows yeah. what, how they knew the castle. And they probably knew the castle better than everybody, except for maybe Harry or Voldemort, mm-hmm. who explored more, too. Right. So, um, at the end, we find out that uh, Sirius sent Harry a Firebolt broomstick to replace his Nimbus 2000. And, uh, of course, he has to take that on a ride. And we got that weird, cheesy ending where it freeze frames on his I face. I know. It's so I've random. I've never understood why it ends like it that. It just looks weird. It's like, oh. And it's like <laughs> stopped. And it's just like, all right. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, this is pretty cool. I, I kind of did the math here. Um, James and Sirius and Lupin, all them, they went to Hogwarts from 1981 to 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, because these, these all take place in the 80s and 90s. This is a very specific time that this takes place in. And Harry started, uh, he was there from 1991 to 1998. Which means... Sorry. No, no, I was seeing what you were writing. Which means that Harry only started school 13 years after James and Lily left. Huh. And I just, I I felt like there was like, for some reason, I felt there was more time between then. But you think, if they left in 1988 and Harry started in in 19... Makes sense. uh, No, no, I'm sorry. They went from 71 to 78. Yeah. And so, if you think from 78 is when Harry and... when. Sirius and James and everybody graduated. Mm-hmm. 88's 10 years. Up to 91 is 13 years. So it's really, it's been less than 15 years since James and Sirius and the Marauders map and all that stuff happened when Harry comes to high, uh, to school. And it always just feels like it's more of a gap between there. You yeah, know I get I mean? what you're saying. You know, it's For sure. It's weird. And this is the last movie that is scored by John Williams. Really? The last Harry Potter movie that's scored by John Williams from Goblet of Fire on... I mean, there's still themes like Hedwig's theme is the main. That's called Hedwig's theme, and I guess that's reused many times during the movies. But this is really the last one where it was completely scored by John Williams. So right, I, I've always loved how uh, the theme music for like the beginning of these, it always starts. It's just got, and you can hear it starts getting darker through each movie. Like I think this <laughs> movie, you can what? Uh, the last one is like. It's really slow though. It's yeah. like. Wah, 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 wah. 
it's really slow. Yeah. But um, I I don't know. I just I thought I always thought it was really neat, and I think I think this movie you can really tell that it's changed a lot from the first one. Because the, the first one, you know, it's very, da, 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 you know, it's very upbeat. This and one's a little darker and sinister. Yeah, you can tell it's starting to, and I, I don't know, I just always thought it was cool that as the movies went on, they got darker, so. Have you ever seen Dexter? I've heard of it, but I don't watch it. I know, my mother watched it. In Dexter, it sounds real close to some of the sounds that they use in the soundtrack. Oh, really? Anyways, that's our movie. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say on it? I don't think so. I think I'll, I had like no. I couldn't think of anything to ask you. But oh, we have to uh, ask her, ask each other about our boggarts. Okay, okay. So, what would your boggart be? Probably a clown, or um, I don't know. Probably my iron killing me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Your no. iron killing <laughs> you. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like all uh, Kevin McAllister style and yeah, Home Alone or something. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, God, clowns are the freaking worst, I have to say. They are the worst. I mean, my, my biggest fear is something happened to your brother. Oh, yeah. That's that's a lot. Yeah. So, you but I don't know how you would turn that family. In, but I don't know. I think maybe boggarts are supposed to be more material things like spiders and snakes and right. everything. I'm over here like clowns. You're like, oh, I'm just my family dying. I'm like, oh, No, God. but I mean, yeah, clowns <laughs> are one thing. Obviously, Snape is something to be scared of yeah. because that's Neville's boggart. Yep. Um, so, yours is clowns. So, basically, when they... when. Parvati turned a snake into a clown. You were just like, that was oh, turn it back to the snake. <laughs> I know. Turn it back to the snake. Ridiculous. The snake would, it would be the opposite because I love snakes. <laughs> you just turned the snake into a uh, clown and snake and you're like, oh, oh that's much better. Exactly. Oh, it's a good snake. So cute. I know. Start speaking parcel tongue. That's funny. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. I, I honestly can't think. I guess birds. <laughs> I know you're waiting for me to say it and everything. Like, look, I'm not as scared as of, of birds as I put on. You know, a lot of it's just to be funny and everything. But I really don't like them, <laughs> and I don't want them to be around me at all. I get that. And you know, so that. you so never have a pet bird. I get no, no, definitely not. And we're talking about material things like that goes. Um, that being said, you know, sharks are pretty scary. Oh, they're kind of cute. Actually, yeah, that's funny, but I'd be in a, a boat and I'd see a shark and that's I'd flip what I'm out. You know, I saw somebody like windsurfing, a video of them windsurfing the other day, and you know, they, they're holding on to the sail yeah. or whatever, but they're on the thing, and you know, you have to push the sail down into the water to oh go forward and everything. And so he's doing that, but you see that there's a shark chasing him. Oh. And he's just like trying to get, and I'm like, man, you- Oh my God, I would climb that rope because so like, fast. Because like, the wind died- you're stopping. You're screwed. And you're screwed. Uh-huh. I'd be like praying for so much wind. I'm like, just get me off this board even. I'd be crying. I'd be like, oh my God. That's so funny. Okay, so we're moving on to Goblet of Fire next week. And yep. you will unfortunately not be here for that. Yeah, but I might be here for the last, very last one. I'm trying to see if we can work out for that. You know, you had made mention of that. So that's pretty exciting to me. Um, but you won't be here for next week, so do you have anything to say about Goblet of Fire? It's a good movie, but I I don't know, something about it. It's good. I like it, but uh, I'm excited favorite, to hear about your, it. What are your good parts that you do like about Goblet of Fire? I do really like the uh, the Triwizard tor- Tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that whole concept was really neat. Really cool. Um, I, loved, I like to see that we 
see Voldemort come back. Um, like you said, he looks better than ever. Do you think he looks better yeah. in this movie than any others? I mean, because I rewatched it like a few weeks ago and everything. He looks like, very Man. slick. He looks so snake-like and the uh-huh. way he's like moving his hands around. You can hear him open his eyes. It's absolutely disgusting. It's like... Yeah, and his eyes, he has snake eyes. Yeah. In all the other movies, he has regular eyes. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. He becomes less snake What? Oh, God, that was so... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I'm going to do that to save myself now. <laughs> my my headphones half off. Um, all right, cool. Well, I really enjoyed you doing this. Uh, yeah, it was I, a lot of fun. I love that you're here and I love getting to do the things. Uh, but I love that you are into talking about these types of things uh, enough to get on the microphone. Because sure. it's not easy. It's not, so, I think it's easy. And, and if you love something, I love talking. it's easy. I love talking. And me and if I had to do this podcast on anything else, it would be so. Yeah, I understand. I, I don't. I'm not passionate. About yeah. That, but I'm passionate about movies. Yeah. So I'm glad you're able to come on and talk with us about that. Give Gungi a break because he's got baby stuff yeah. going on. You know, waiting for the baby to come, and dealing with all that kind of stuff. So I was glad we were able to get in here. Um, definitely listen to our Jaws episode from last week. But the next one that we have coming out, you'll like. Ridiculous. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter, we're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website, it's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And I solemnly swear to throw me a wand.